Welcome to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from the 4th of July, 1995. From the high desert and the great American Southwest. Pretty good place for a network, I would say. I bid you good evening from a place where, yes, it is still the 4th of July. Scattered explosions can be heard rendered in the distance as we celebrate 119 years. Excuse me, 219 years. That almost makes us sound old, but we're not. Well, the saga is over. Uh, here's the way it went, folks. Uh, as you know, uh, those of you who listened through the grinding end of yesterday's program, I did not get my cat. I was discouraged, upset beginning to doubt that he was still under there, uh, even though my wife said she heard him answer a couple of times. And uh, so uh, we removed the barbecued chicken from the trap, brought the trap in, oh, I guess about 11 o'clock uh, in the morning, just before I sacked out at about noon. And we loaded the trap. This time we used the big gun. Brought out the Port Chatham smoked tuna. Port Chatham is now not an advertiser. They'll be back at some point, but uh, they're not an advertiser now. So it's a free ad for them because it worked. And uh, so we uh, cranked out the uh, smoked tuna and uh, put that on there and then smeared a little bit of it toward the front of the trap. And nothing. Until uh, just about five minutes before I woke up for the evening, but whoosh, my wife came in and said, guess what? We got him. And we did get him indeed. We have him, uh, or her, I'm not sure yet. And uh, so what I've done is pretty good-sized trap, and uh, we just, you know, the trap has a handle, so we've just carried the trap inside, put, our, put down paper, lots of paper in the bathroom, uh, and put the trap down on top of the paper, and put a bowl of food and water into the trap. And uh, it... I'm going to have to call it till I find out otherwise, is a beautiful cat. It's um, uh, young, I'm going to guess two months old. It's orange and white with blue, very light blue eyes. And it's a beautiful cat. It does not hiss. Uh, it does meow when I go in there, and it, we've got the trap covered with a towel, and it seems very happy about that. It's dark and quiet in there. And that is where it's going to remain for the rest of its life. No. It will remain there until tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock when I will call and I will beg a local veterinarian to give it the appropriate tests, shots, and cleanup before it gets anywhere near my cat. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. We have our cat. Final victory. God, it feels so good. And um, so that's uh, tomorrow morning at uh, 8 o'clock or first crack of dawn, as soon as they're open, why uh, this cat, I, I don't know if it's he or she, I have no way of knowing, um, goes down to the vet and 
takes the first step in becoming domesticated and clean and uh, able to um, interact with my other cat, who now, no doubt, is going to be really ticked off. <laughs> Although, he's not going nuts about it yet. The problem is, you see, this uh, particular uh, bathroom is adjacent to my studio, so cat's about 10 or 15 feet away from me, really. And if my cat and that cat get going during the night, you may have something to hear. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so there it is. Uh, it is either the ending of the saga or more likely the beginning of another saga as we try and domesticate this beastie that, uh, you know, it's only a couple months old and it's been living under our house for, I'm going to guess, two or three weeks at least. And so um, I guess I feel like we rescued him and uh, her, but whatever. And I'm very, very pleased about it. It's a great relief. Now my life can go on to other things. I mean, it's not as though I don't have anything to do. I do a five-hour-a-night talk show. I do a sixth night of Dreamland. I'm in the middle of writing a book. You have no idea um, what this book thing entails. It's incredible. Uh, photographs, uh, uh, writing, 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 writing. Oh, boy, it's really something to do. And I'm in the, you know, I'm in the very difficult stages of it right now. How many of you have tried to remember your, your incidents and things in your early childhood? Can you? Can you remember? I can remember a couple of things from the crib. That's pretty good, huh? From the crib. I can actually remember that. I wonder if that's good or bad. Probably good. Uh, so anyway, uh, there it is, the saga of the cat, and as I say, my, my life has a lot going on in it, so I'm very pleased, very pleased, and I'm sure many of you are who probably don't want to hear any more about it. So we've got him, or her. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 4th, 1995. Right, um, the 4th of July. Now, in case you're wondering, we're here live. A lot of other shows, or even most, are um, issuing repeated versions. I choose not to do that on holidays. I would uh, prefer to be here. And so here I am. 219 and still kicking. The USA indeed turned 219 today. It was marked by the usual uh, parades, fireworks, celebrations, uh, that sort of thing. As a matter of fact, uh, here are, I don't usually do this, but uh, these are some pretty interesting facts about this 4th of July. This 4th of July, 31.8 million of you out there are out on the streets driving. Many of you at this hour drive safely. It's a lot of people. Gas prices, accordingly, have gone up to the highest uh, point at this time of the year in years. An average of 1.22.8 cents per gallon. 65% of all gas stations uh, have been open, taking advantage of the 31.8 million drivers. 80,000 tons of pork ribs 
um, have been or are being consumed. One hundred and get this, a hundred and fifteen million pounds of fireworks will go off, um, costing three hundred million dollars. Three hundred million dollars up in smoke. But we're having fun, right? These fireworks will injure over nine thousand people. Seventy-five percent of that number will be men. Not exactly sure what that means. But probably all it means is that as a general rule, rule women enjoy going back and watching fireworks and are scared to death of them. And so most men set them off. It does not mean, as the snide anchor on NBC seemed to imply by his refusal to comment on this, uh, that men are dumber than women when it comes to fireworks. I mean, more guys set off fireworks. Girls just, they like watching. Ooh, you know, that's pretty. But they don't enjoy lighting the fuse and running. Now, that's the fun part of it. Lighting the fuse and running. Or if you're a real fool, do what I usually do, and that's get a Coke bottle and launch bottle rockets holding it in your hand. You know, and you end up with sort of a blackened, singed hand when it's all over. Or they blow up in your face. Guys are possibly dumber. Uh, fireworks are banned in ten of the U.S. states. Elsewhere, varying forms of them are legal. Here in, in my uh, county in Nevada, we have legal bang-type fireworks. We are one of the few where you can still buy those. Matter of fact, they've got uh, one firework place here that sells them year-round. Tells you how big they are here. So, there you have it, uh, July 4th. The question, of course, we're 219 now. How much older do you think we will get? Is a good question. The people of Oklahoma City used the day to thank America for all the help given during the uh, tragedy there. The American flag in Oklahoma City raised to full staff again for the first time today. Now, you'll recall immediately after the bombing, our president said justice would be swift, certain, and severe. And that was the solace uh, some of the victims' families in Oklahoma were taking today. I would like to ask you if you think, in fact, justice will be swift, fast, in other words, um, certain, uh, and severe. I think all three uh, categories are not unnecessarily likely. Swift, well, it's already moving very slowly. Trial will probably take forever, citing OJ. Certain. Uh, is it certain you get a conviction when you kill your parents with a shotgun? No. No. Is it certain you get a conviction uh, when you are accused of uh, uh, killing your wife and, and some other guy? No, not at all certain. So is justice certain? No. Severe? Well, that depends on whether it is certain, doesn't it? Um, I imagine if there would be a conviction, yes, uh, that part of it might be true. It would be severe. There would be a severe sentence. 
I'm getting a lot of information, uh, background information on the uh, uh, the bombing in Oklahoma City, and I'm going to hold it um, for now. KPOC Television in uh, Ponca City, Oklahoma, uh, along with a general uh, general Parton, I understand, a nuclear and a nuclear expert. Uh, and that should suggest something to you, are uh, preparing a special that will air, and there is a lot of talk of an independent investigation in Oklahoma. A lot of people want it, including the legislature there, and maybe that will help us get to the bottom of this. Who knows? A problem for the president? Oh, here's a big one. This is a really big one. Bill Clinton absolutely, positively, cannot get elected without carrying the state of California. Without California, Bill Clinton is nothing more than a, well, a new Arkansas resident, I guess. California will very likely not re-elect Bill Clinton, if he closes McClellan Air Force Base, and herein lies a big problem. No president has ever ruled against the very much non-political commission that was set up to decide which military bases should close. No president has dared interfere with their verdict yet. Now, at stake many thousands of jobs near Sacramento which will be gone and as a result there will be many angry very angry voters during a recent visit to California that area President Clinton all but promised to keep the base open now the White House desperate is beginning to talk about some kind of deal in other words, that, well, then maybe we'll close the base. But many of the 11,000 jobs that would be lost would, he said, be passed on to the private sector and remain in California. It is indeed a desperate attempt to save California jobs and President uh, Clinton's job. They had a rally uh, near Sacramento, and one of the signs that somebody uh, was holding up caught my attention. It said simply, McClellan 95, as in McClellan Air Force Base, McClellan 95, Clinton 96. <laughs> Subtle, huh? Nobody likes the compromise. The people in California don't like it. The workers there say it's a joke. There's no guarantee that once the base closes, those jobs will stay in California at all. Many have left, and uh, many companies leave California because the cost of doing business there doesn't make you want to stay. So they say that's no kind of compromise. Phil Graham, uh, up in New Hampshire right now, slammed the president for playing politics with base closings. Now, to give you an idea of the seriousness of the problem for the White House, California Democrats say the stakes are much higher if uh, if he doesn't keep McClellan open. 
In other words, he's going to lose the presidency. Either he messes with the base-closing uh, verdict, or he's going to lose. Senator Dianne Feinstein, Democrat, California, said, echoed those uh, sentiments, saying, quote, absolutely, absolutely, he can't win the presidency without California. If he tries to save McClellan Air Force Base, he would, in fact, be the first president to inject politics into base closings. If he doesn't, it's a one-way ticket to Little Rock. So, I'm sure that you sympathize with this president's political dilemma. My question to you is, what do you think he will do? I ask you again, what do you think he will do? Do you think he will order uh, McLennan, McLellan rather, uh, closed, um, doing, quote, the right thing, end quote? Or do you think that he will cave into the incredible political pressure of the possible loss of California if he just closes uh, it up? So then he will keep it open, thinking he will keep his job. The problem with that is everybody else except the people near Sacramento, of course, who have personal feelings uh, about all of this, everybody else all around the rest of the country is going to look at this president and say, what a lizard, what a chameleon. Man, this guy will do anything to keep his job. And, of course, these people would be correct. He will, as you know, do anything to keep his job. So I'm betting... Uh, he tries to keep it open. I think uh, for him it will be a very dangerous thing to do. Well, it's dangerous either way, frankly. Uh, mysterious fumes have overcome more people at Tokyo's main railway station again Wednesday. Police say they found a device, get this, folks, uh, a device that would have unleashed cyanide gas at, an, at a nearby subway station, police said the device could have killed thousands of travelers, as many as 8,000. Good Lord. 8,000. So, you know, you think we've got trouble here, and we do, but that's big trouble. That's somebody trying to, well, of course, we had mass murder here, too, didn't we? Oklahoma. I wonder if the Japanese uh, virginity is about gone. Cultural virginity, if you will. I think so. Uh, every Japanese newscast when I was uh, in Tokyo, and I was in the subway system. Don't think I didn't think about it uh, in Tokyo. I was very much in it for quite a while. And I thought about it. It's very clean, very beautiful, uh, and apparently now very dangerous. So has their cultural virginity gone now? Yeah, I think it's on the way. Ah, the price of modern society. And, and that brings me very nicely into my next topic, which is the Unabomber. A Berkeley University professor has now responded to a letter, the, uh, you know, the big uh, manifesto that the Unabomber has sent out to now uh, the Times, the Post, Gucciani, and now this Berkeley professor. 
And so he responded, um, his name is Professor Tom Tyler, and he said in an open letter to the Unabomber, published in the San Francisco Chronicle, that he, quote, shares the Unabomber's concerns about modern life, but uh, noted that uh, violence makes people resist change, end quote. Um, and I was wondering... You know, all the Unabomber's deeds, evil deeds aside, how many of you would also say you share um, the Unabomber's concerns about modern life? From the Internet to movies and television, pollution, deforestation, uh, whatever your concerns are, uh, computers, uh, about modern life, and there's a lot to be concerned with, not all bad, uh, would you say you share his concerns, and to what degree? I mean, here's a guy who has killed over it, apparently. And um, uh, so uh, to what degree do you share his concerns? I I'm sure not enough to go out and bomb anybody. But do you have some sympathy with the apparent contents, or the alleged contents, since I have not seen them, of his uh, wordy manifesto that the Post or New York Times may publish. I'm Art Bell, and we'll be right back. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. take you back to the past on Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Just about ready to rock. This fact's just in. Art Clinton will interfere with the base closings in California only long enough to be able to promise that the related jobs will not be lost. Then, hopefully, the people in their wisdom will remember his lack of credibility and vote against him anyway. So there you are. From a magazine called Earth Systems Monitor, uh, a title, uh, an article entitled NGDC Monitors Frequency of Recent Destructive Tsunami Events. Uh, it begins in a way I thought, you know, we have this constant discussion about earthquake frequency and all the rest of it. And here's a little more evidence. The last three years have seen an unusual apparent increase in the frequency of destructive tsunami events. 
First, a group of three very destructive tsunamis occurred in the months between September of 92 and July of 93, resulting in more than 1,300 deaths. After an 11-month period, a second series of five destructive tsunamis began in June of 94. No other 2.3-year period since the turn of the century has had eight destructive tsunamis. Uh, so I just thought you would all be interested in hearing that little bit of quickening info. And somebody sent this fax, a good topic for discussion. I do not believe this made the national news. And I should hasten to add, I can't, I have no way of knowing if this is true. Okay? Uh, we'll confirm it. Uh, but here we go. I do not believe this made the national news. President Clinton spent a portion of his day losing, quote, his money, end quote, my money, your money, gambling it away on the riverboat casinos here in Kansas City. I'm not sure this is appropriate for the president of the USA to take part in gambling, being there are a lot of voters who oppose this type of thing. Could it be he picked Kansas City to do this, uh, this thing um, because it's Bob Dole country? and he knows the voters here will most likely not vote for him anyway? So can anybody confirm that? Was the president really gambling on uh, July 4th on a riverboat in Kansas City? No kidding. Anyway, uh, may not be true. It's a fact. I mean, who knows? People in Kansas City know, I guess. Foxer is definitely right, though. Uh, it's not known nationally. I haven't heard it. All right, one other little item. Um, in preparation for doing this book that I'm doing, I had my mom, who did a great deal of work, rescue all kinds of articles about her early Marine Corps career. Um, God, I photographs, uh, family photographs, and everything. And uh, she did a wonderful job, and I got this giant package of stuff. And um, I, I'm a computer enthusiast, as you know, and I do a lot of photo scanning now of my own, and I've become fairly good what I do. And uh, here comes this picture of my dad on Guadalcanal. He was the uh, in the first Marine Division that hit Guadalcanal, and um, there was a picture of him with his uh, rifle in uh, fatigues. Um, with his cap, marine cap, uh, it's got all kinds of uh, camouflage-type stuff sticking out of it, looking all, for all the world like John Wayne. <laughs> and I spent a couple of hours reviving this picture, and I have brought it back to life. It is no doubt one that's going to be published in the book, but I thought I would put a little teaser up there. It's such a cool picture that uh, if anybody wants it, it's up on our bulletin board as of right now, and it is titled Dad, D-A-D-M, which stands for Marine, dot G-I-F, Dad M dot G-I-F. And I would love to talk to one of you who manages to download it and get a good, you know, get a good, uh, uh, get a good look at it and uh, call me up and tell me if that isn't John Wayne. <laughs> I mean, he's got a John Wayne look to him. Um, he also, uh, 
a related, uh, well, there's plenty of newspaper articles in there about uh, my dad's views on the battle at Guadalcanal, and he was uh, very much in the thick of it. At any rate, uh, that photograph is on our bulletin board service. Uh, bear in mind, uh, this is a very, although I did a pretty good job, but it's a very old, very old f photograph. And uh, I'd just be interested in what you think, and uh, you can take a look at him, see if he looks like me. Hi there. On the west of the Rockies line, you're on the air. Good morning. I'm honored. Well, good morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting uh, to appreciate how vast your listenership is. It's really hard to get in. But um, this is um, Portland. My name is Miriana. I've called you a few other times. Oh, yes. Um, a couple of things. I wanted to respond to the gentleman that called um, yesterday from Hawaii, and he was seemed thoroughly confused as to why Serbia doesn't want the U.N. to leave in Bosnia. There's three basic reasons. Um, they get indirect help with ethnic cleansing. They go into a town and say, you know, you get these people out of here or we'll shoot them. Yeah. Um, they get food and medicine either by hijacking the trucks or the U.N. gives them a percentage of what they get. And most importantly, uh, as far as long as the U.N. is there, they don't get bombed. So that's basically it in a nutshell. I don't know if that's, that's too simple. I mean, a major... Well, you gave me lots of good, solid reasons, and all of them are true. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be tough. If we have to go and pull the U.N. out... We won't. I mean, Clinton doesn't want to touch this with a 10-foot fall. He's trying to ignore it, which is really stupid, but... Yes, I but he can't, though, because, <laughs> right. uh, you know, a lot of the people who call and say this man owes a lot of his allegiance to the U.N., these people are right. Well, he does. I think what he'll do is he'll just get tell the Europeans not to ask, okay? Or create a crisis yeah. of some kind where, you know, he do, he kind of does something that looks okay. But my other thing um, on the... Well, I'll, I bet you he's already telling them, please don't right. ask. <laughs> don't ask. On, um, this is a change of subject, but on, on, on your alien line, thank you. I was trying for days to get it in. But one person called in, and it piqued my curiosity. You can answer this off the air. Um, he asked you if they are if some of them were real and whether you thought they were, and you said a few of them really um, gave you the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I did say if that. If you could yes. elaborate on a couple or maybe give me an idea. Okay, well, uh, well, all right. Um, you know, not really. I mean, you had to hear it. Uh, I've had the alien line open, I don't know, the last year maybe, half dozen times, I would say. And a couple of those times, a couple called in, that sounded frankly real. I mean, either they were great actors, um, or they were aliens. Who knows? Who knows? I just open the alien line and I see what I get. But yeah, there were a couple that, um, giving you the particulars wouldn't be easy, you know, the actual things they said. It was more the way they said it and the sound of the voice and the sincerity and the, all the rest of it. Uh, the aliens we had on the alien line the other night were rank amateurs. Uh, we might have had one good one or two good ones, but most of them were, uh, I don't know, sounded like they were celebrating the fourth early or something. So you just you take what you get on the alien line. You, you never know, night to night, just like the rest of the lines. You never know, night to night. Wild card line, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, Art. This is Bob calling from Redondo Beach. Hello, Bob. Hi, how you doing, Art? I have, I can make this real short. You mentioned about the uh, guy who built the Lear jet, mentioned about the light at the end of the tunnel. John Lear. Yeah, well, I had a weird experience. I'm going to write you about it, but to make it real short, uh, 
it was actually outside of Las Vegas. There was uh, blinking lights, and I was with the person driving. It was probably the crazy. And, and all of a sudden, we realized, we, you know, we start saying we're in another dimension. Time seemed to have stopped, and there were these blinking lights. And I said, "That's the light." And I, I, my inclination was to go for it. And he stopped, which really surprised me. And then all of a sudden, when he stopped, it became normal. And in in street, what 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 it was. It became normal. Like it looked like there was an accident with police action, and everything else. Oh, I see. And, and and he stopped, and he, he and it became normal. Like even more alluring when when he stopped to turn around, and I and and I go look the streets up here. He goes no no. He goes it's a trick, and and sure enough when he made the U turn, I looked back and there was nothing there, and I said why didn't you go for it? He goes because nobody invited us. He goes I knew we were all right where we were. Well well. How do you know, though, that if you had not gone forward, you'd have gone to the land of light, and by turning around, you have returned to hell? I don't know. I would have went for the light. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for the story, sir. <laughs> there are those who think that uh, this is hell on earth. You know, that this is hell. Things can only get better from here. It's uh, sort of a kind of an attitude, but uh, oh well. On the west of the Rockies line, you're on the air. Our bell. Jerry in Sacramento. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Um, I found a little cat yesterday, and it, you know, it kind of uh, re reminded me of your experience. And I got like twenty cans of salmon, and what? I put it on the back porch. I don't want animals in the house. You, you put how many cans? I've got twenty cans of salmon, chum salmon. Uh, you put twenty cat. twenty cans of salmon on the back porch? Yeah, no, they're they're in, in the in the storage room. Oh, I see. Uh -huh. and it was, they were giving it to me, and the kids were throwing this small kitten around, you know. and Throwing you know, it around? Yeah, they were throwing it around, so I went out and got him. And, uh, I saw a kid throw a, a cat. Uh... And so I put him on the back, you know, when he animals in the house, because, you know, they shed and everything else. And the cats have a way of, you know, uh, marking their, you know, their territory. And yes. So I got him on the back porch, put him in an old blanket, I fed him some that salmon, and he just inhaled the salmon. And he crawled right up in the little blanket on the chair back there, and he, he slept there like, you know, you know, he was at peace, you know. And he, well, you know now he, he, sir, is yours. He's your cat. Good luck. He's now your responsibility. I believe, I believe in fate. Do you believe in fate? I believe in fate. Not uh, predestination so much. Uh, there is a difference, I believe, between predestination and fate. And I do believe in fate. And uh, it was fate that brought this cat to me. Fate that placed him under my house. And um, fate that uh, I've got him now. And so uh, he is my cat. He is now my responsibility, as that little furball is now yours. <laughs> You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 4th, 1995. Back to the lines. First time caller line. You're on the air. Hi. Hello, Art. How are you doing tonight? I am doing fine. 219 years old. Can you believe it? Uh, 
Yeah, I can believe it. I mean, that, you know, that's not actually very old for a country. Uh, sounds impressive to somebody who only lives to be 70 or 80, but it's, it's not, for a country, it's not old. Well, this is Nomad from Beaverton, Oregon. Beaverton. They nicknamed me Nomad. But anyways, uh, I guess we, uh, we have lost our cultural virginity. Yeah, I could say that. I mean, I, as a matter of fact, this morning I was watching TV and... No, I don't, even, I don't even know where I came up with that phrase. It just seemed about right. I mean, the Japanese seem like they are in the, in the process right now of losing their cultural virginity. And they really had. Japanese were serious cultural virgins. Yep. But modern life and pressure and all the rest of it obviously has descended on Japan. They've got the subway people. we got the Unabomber. Anyway... I, I have to tell you something. Tell me what you think of this. Um, a, a close, very close friend of mine, um, got, she got pregnant about two months ago. She's only 16. And uh, she went and got tested at a health clinic. Yes. And right after the test, that was confidential. They didn't tell her parents. She's, you know, she's only 16. Yes. The nurse told her that they could actually offer her an abortion for $35 because she couldn't afford it. Uh-huh. That was one of her choices. Um, would you have any idea who the dad is? Oh, I'm I'm a very good friend of a dad, yeah. Very good friend of yours, huh? Yeah, that's right. And uh, uh, she finally got the courage to tell him about a week ago that, you know, she was pregnant. And oh, this good friend of yours a week ago. And what is your good friend's reaction? Well, you know, the, oh, the dad? Uh-huh. Well, he, you know, he, he didn't really want to go and get an abortion. He, he kind of, he was shocked, <clears throat> shocked with it. Shocked. You know, I mean, he, it was this, you know, sweet little angel. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden she comes up to him and says, Dad, I'm pregnant. Uh-huh. But he, you know, he didn't. He no, 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 no. No, you're missing my point. Uh -oh. Not her dad. I'm, I'm sure he'd be upset. No, the, the dad of the, uh, uh, the father of the child, as it were. Oh, 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 okay. Uh -huh. Well. He, you know, is taking responsibility for it. Uh, kind of had a talk with him about a couple of weeks ago. Well, I mean, what what does that mean? Does that mean he wants to have the child, or he's going to provide the thirty bucks? Well, no, he wants to have the child. He doesn't want to, you know, get, he doesn't want to get an abortion. That's I absolutely see. out of the picture. I see. They're we're more on a conservative side than you know. A liberal side. It just shocked me that. Well, let me I, let me give you my answer. I would give absolutely in this case uh, not one word of advice. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Sam from Washington, Kentucky. Yes, sir. Um, got a suggestion. All right. Uh, take a picture of ghosts, scan it, put it up on your BBS. I've I've already I've already done it. Um, great, great. Actually, you know the picture that I took. I'll tell you. This will strike everybody as horrendously egotistical, but it was just meant to be funny. Um, Ghost is now, as I told you, on the bathroom floor uh, with a newspaper down in the, in the cage with uh, food, food and water. So I went in, and I put my foot on the cage and gave the fist of power sign while my wife took a photograph. <laughs> Maybe I'll put that one up on the, on the floor. And unfortunately... Um, yes, the U.N. did lead our parade here in Lexington. 
all uh, your uh, you you've got to be kidding. No, sir, I'm not. Um, what was the reception like? I'll be honest with you. I worked third shift. I did not. By the time I got up, the parade was over, so I didn't really get to catch it. There was nothing about it on the evening news. Though. That's totally disgusting. You know why didn't I hear about this last night? Darn it! I asked. I said, "Is it true?" Somebody... I tried. <laughs> you tried. Yeah, I understand. Um, so the UN led your Fourth of July celebration parade in Lexington, Kentucky. The mayor figured she could kill two birds with one stone. Uh, some kind of anniversary or something for the UN. She figured she could combine them both, I guess, try to save the city a little money. I mean, you've got to be kidding. No, sir, I'm not. I wish I were. <laughs> you know, I wonder if they'll want to change the name of the day eventually to uh, International Day, maybe. How about that? Independence Day, International Day, that they sort of kind of rolls right off tongue, same way there. Independence Day, International Day. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to make an apology. I've had trouble connecting to your BBS, and I heard you make a statement the other day about it might be your comm software. Yes. And I said to myself, ah, he's full of it. Well, I oh, tried, now of... I can connect. Well, <laughs> see, there you are. All right. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. A lot of people think I'm full of it, sir. And to some degree, I probably am. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Eric. Yes. Uh, this is Shannon in Spokane, Washington. Spokane, KGA. Yep. And, uh, well, I was, I just heard what you were saying about the, uh, about how you caught the cat. Well, there's no question about it. He's in there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Going, well, my, uh, to, going to the vet in the morning. Yeah. And, uh, my, uh, my family has, uh, mice living around our house. Mice? Mice. Well, then you need a cat living under your house. Well, we, we have four cats, but. They're living right next to where the uh, where the the dog we have uh, lives, and so the cats won't go in there and get the mice. Well, what good are they? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We like them. We've had them for years. Yeah, I understand. But we have we have mice traps that work a lot like the traps that you had for your uh, for your uh, cat. Oh God, it was, the, it was so satisfying. The, the mouse comes in, you know, and it, it, its weight closes the door. And, and then, what do you do with the mouse when you catch it? I take it. Uh, I, I take it over to the. Uh, your neighbor, one of your neighbors, probably, huh? Well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> right. Well, look, I, I've got to run. Uh, we're way out of time here. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've trapped a couple of mice, and I, I don't kill them. I uh, generally put them in a little bottle with a hole punched in it, and carry them as far away as I can from my house, and uh, let them run free in the field. <sighs> I don't believe in. Uh, in killing I just don't and I know that puts me at odds with many but to me life is life and it is really precious and I really mean it we'll be right back the trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM more Somewhere in Time coming up
Premier Networks presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from the 4th of July, 1995. Well, now we're 119 going on 100 and, excuse me, 219 going on 220. It's hard to think of uh, those sorts of ages, isn't it? Even though it's short, it's long compared to human life. 200, 219 years for a nation. We're but a kitten. A kitten in nationhood. Uh, talking about anything you want to talk about, uh, I've got about 12 topics out on the table. I'll roll them past again at about, uh, in about another hour. For now, back to the lines directly. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yes. Hello? Hello. Yeah, I'm calling from uh, KSFO territory in Why? Northern California. San Francisco. Yeah. I was just calling to point out this, uh, even though I'm, I'm certainly on the side of people in our area that need jobs and people that work for military bases, this notion of uh, Diane Feinstein and Barbara Boxer, yeah. uh, you know, and Clinton yes. engaging this uh, this political uh, chicanery over base closing. Well, I heard Feinstein yesterday say, absolutely, absolutely, the president cannot win without California. Now... He's between a rock and a very hard uh, uh, place, indeed. Uh, what does he do? Does he close McClellan, or does he, for the first time in all of history, tamper politically with the non-political base-closing commission for his own hide? You know what I think? I think he loses either way. <laughs> you know, I think he mismanaged it. But I mean, it's really like some of these people, like uh, we call her Schweinstein uh, uh, up here, but... Uh, uh, you know, she she when she was mayor, you know, they didn't want this battleship based in San Francisco. All these people, they were saying, well, we hate you know the military, blah blah blah. But now that these defense contractors and bases are closing, you know, and they're losing tax revenue, and that's so why that's sir, they that's, changed their tune. Yes, yeah, why they call them politicians. Yeah, well, have a happy Fourth uh, of July, and and uh, I'm personally, I mean, with with what you were pointing out about China selling weapons and North Korea selling weapons. I, I think we need to keep our military strong. That's, uh, a, that's a good point of view. Uh, there's a, thank you, a good argument that we're going too far with the base closings. And uh, frankly, I think that is a good argument. It is not, however, the president's dilemma. He, 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 personally, um, he doesn't much like the military. Everybody knows that. I, I'm sure he'd just soon see it close. has nothing to do with that has to do with his political future. He's got to have California. Without California, the man is nothing but another guy from Arkansas, you know. Well, that's not true. He'd be ex-president. But uh, he's got to have California. Now, if he closes the base, people in California are going to be truly upset with him. And he'll probably lose California and the presidency. On the other hand, if he keeps the base open and messes around politically with what a non-political um, committee has decided, then he's going to be seen as a guy saving his own political hide. But then, on the other hand, that's never bothered him before. So, <laughs> it's a real dilemma. What do you think the president will do? Will he opt to save McClellan or his own hide? Well, actually... Uh, it's one and the same. 
Or maybe it is. I mean, th there is the rest of the country, and they could see this as a very, very uh, partisan political manipulation of the military for political gain type decision. So, I don't know. I think he loses either way. It breaks my heart. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Yes, sir. I can barely hear you, sir. Yes, this is uh, Don from uh, Austin. Don from Texas. Austin, Texas. Boy, you got to get a better phone down there, Don. Well, I'm at work here. Oh, that's better. You just talk right into it. All right. Uh, Art, uh, I enjoy your show. Thank and, you. Uh, a while back, uh, you told a, a caller that you considered yourself a futurist. I think so, uh, to some degree, I guess, yes. And uh, I was wondering, uh, A, do you also consider yourself a survivalist? Yes. And B, I mean, I, in other words, I want to be careful here. Um, I am a survivalist. In other words, to me, having certain things on hand uh, for an emergency is not exactly the way you think of a survivalist. You know, I don't go marching about in fatigues waiting for the big one. But I've got medical supplies. I've got food supplies. I've got uh, weapons. I've got... Uh, the things that somebody would need if they needed them, if you know what I mean. So I think yes. it's just practical. Yes, sir. And and the uh, second part to that, I was, uh, I was wondering, how does ham radio, how do you think ham radio uh, fits into that picture? Very well, thank you. Um, in other words, uh, yeah, I'm a ham radio operator. In any disaster, in any disruption, for all of history, that you know, we've had hams, hams have been an integral part of it. Yes. Many times when no other communication gets out, I mean no other, hams do. End of story. Okay. I was just curious about that because uh, I was considering uh, getting into that as a hobby. And uh, Well, it's a wonderful hobby, sir. Thank you. You know what I would like to do? And uh, maybe somebody up uh, in the um, Bay Area um, Commission, the FCC, um, would be kind enough to send me some sort of response on this. I would like to do one night a show on ham radio. But you know me, I don't want to do it the way everybody else has done it. And I am very fortunate, uh, many of you may not know, I broadcast from my home. And in my room I have, I have it divided into three segments. One segment, uh, one side of the wall, is all a broadcast studio, the one I'm speaking from right now. The second half of the room is my ham setup, and the third is my computer setup. And I've got a sort of a little runway uh, that my wife built. I, I'm not good mechanically. I'm good electri electrically or, you know, with things electronic, but I, I don't, I'm not worth a damn mechanically. My wife used to be a carpenter, so she built me a runway a very thick uh, plywood uh, covered with, uh, uh, you know, the kind of tile you'd find in your kitchen. And I've got a little chair, and I can literally move. Well, here, it gives you an idea. Watch this. There. Now I'm sitting in front of my ham station, and I've got a nice long cord on my mic, and here I am uh, back at the broadcast. So it's that close. And I thought it would be really fun and fun for the listeners if we could actually hook up and I could, I could hook up the audio output of my ham rig and bring it directly here into the board 
and put the uh, uh, put it on the air. And I could go on the air on 75 meters, probably at this time of night, and talk to some hams out there and put them on the air with you. The only catch in this is that I'm not sure it's legal. <laughs> so I would like to get a ruling from the commission on whether something like that would be uh, legal to do. And if it is, then I think I just might do it. Wouldn't that be fun? You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 4th, 1995. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, how you doing, Art? Okay. I just turned my radio down there. Don't want to like let that interfere. Uh, my name's Paul. I'm in the New Haven area. Listening to you on thirteen hundred. New Haven, today. Connecticut. That's us. Yes, excellent. Uh, congratulations on your cat. I sent you a fax a few nights back. I'm not sure if you got that. It mentioned a little television show that I run. I'm not going to say that on the air though. Oh, uh, I did get it. Yes. Okay, just okay. making sure. Um, enjoy your show quite a bit. We'll do it here every night. I do the night shift over at... Uh... By the way, your photograph comes through quite well on oh, fax. Oh, did that look good? good? Yeah, yeah. Did you say that you also have a bulletin board system that you run yourself? Oh, no. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm not that dumb. I ran a bulletin <laughs> board. Uh, I ran one for years. I know what's entailed. Oh, I see. Uh, there's a man across town, very nice guy, uh, here in town in Pahrump, who is running it. Mm -hmm. It's a multi-node uh, system. It's really hot stuff. I see. Yeah, I just uh, called up to make you aware, too, that there's like a chat group on uh, the Internet also that, you know, the people uh, are pretty much discussing you on there. That's what I've uh, heard. There's an IRC chat group. And uh, go ahead and tell them, how do you get to it? Well, I get to it from a connection, a local host connection. You know, I, I call up and use my modem through my computer, which is a cheesy little computer. I won't even mention the name of that. But, uh, you know, I guess other people are, can get their Internet connections through... Uh, through, uh, you know, universities or wherever, you know. Whatever. Yes, but I mean, once on the, uh, is it on the web? Well, actually, the, the group is on uh, Internet Relay Chat, which is the Internet. IRC, yeah. Yep, IRC. So, and, um, how would they get to it? Um, they connect to a server. Uh, the way that I do it is, you know, I just type in server, and then, you know, uh, I think mine goes to Boston University, and, you know, as long once they connect with the server, a screen comes up showing them, you know, the various areas that they can enter. And it's a pretty interesting thing. And, uh, but I mean, what do you what do you type to get to my group? Is what I'm asking. What do I type? Um, I think it was art a r t dash bell, and you always have to put a little number before it, so it's like number sign art dash bell. I see. And that's how they find their way out to your group. How did you get get the cat? By the way, I only started listening to you about 20 minutes ago. Well, I'm sorry. Maybe you'll cover that later. <laughs> uh, I promise I'll cover it at the beginning of the next hour. Again, that'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you, because we have uh, several main groups that come in. So, um, in order not to have to say it too many times, I'll just I'll retell the story at one o'clock, and uh, that should take care of matters. So, if you're dying of curiosity to hear the cat story, uh, I'll tell it one more time um, at one a.m. I may even provide a demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I've been thinking about that. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. West of the Rockies. Hi, Art. Hello. I had a question concerning uh, logging on to your computer. Okay. I always get 
knocked off in about 12 minutes. I was wondering if you could tell me how I can go somewhere on that thing. Well, uh, what speed modem do you have? Oh, 2400. Yeah, we'll see. That's your first problem. Now, they allow everybody in there for something like 15 minutes free once a day. Uh, if you want more time, you join. It's 10 bucks or something big deal for a year. Um, that gets you a lot more time. In the meantime, what you could do is to get a real modem. Now, I, I don't mean to insult your 2400, but that technology went uh, went by many years ago. Well, that sounds like a good answer to my question, because the first, very, very first time I got on, I, it said I could stay on 30 minutes, and I downloaded your biography. Yes. And I was going to check out some of your pictures, your GIF files, you know? Right. And next time, like last night, I was on there, and I couldn't get out of that first menu port there. So I didn't know how to do that. And then the, when I left the email, I, I tried calling tonight, and it said didn't have any time. It wouldn't even let me check the mail or nothing. So Why not? I, I don't know. It said uh, it disconnected me like in within a minute, so <laughs> after logging. Huh. Well, something must have happened. So um, uh, I would say um, try again. I'll do that. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. There, you know, there are many uncertain things in uh, the world of bulletin boards and modems. And there are many modems out there, and there are not, you know, there is sort of a standard, but they're all a little bit different, and it makes it very difficult. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Oh, good morning, Art. Good morning, sir. This is Kevin in Houston again. Yes, sir. Yeah, i got to apologize for um, the other night I, I actually called twice. I don't know if you caught that. No, <laughs> I didn't. I just wanted to confess that. I promise not to do it again. Well, that's good. You know, eventually, I, I'm, I'm pretty good with uh, voices, so I would have caught you eventually. Uh, yeah, well, I have a goofy little laugh that I sometimes sometimes squeezes out of me that you might have recognized. But, Con um, confession is good for the soul. Yeah, um, I was, uh, had a question about, you said uh, you were talking about uh, mice, that you usually like to try to catch them and let them go. I have a, a mouse. Well, I don't. Mouse. No, I, I don't. Look, if there's a mouse in the house, and that's happened twice, um, my big 17-pound cat chases the mouse around yeah. and licks it. Yep. You know, and then makes it run and chases it again and licks it some more. Doesn't want to eat it or kill it. Just licks it and plays with it. <laughs> and so, terrifies it a so bit. I let him catch the mouse. Yeah. And then I get it in a little jar and I punch holes in the jar. Oh, and I, okay. I take the jar as far away from the house as I can. All right. And turn it loose. I thought maybe you had a a, a little mouse uh, trap, that non non uh, harming mouse trap that you that you use. No, the ones that are the, the ones are outside. I don't care. Let them be outside. Yeah, my my girlfriend discovered a couple of days ago that we have a little fellow running around the bedroom, so <laughs> trying to figure out how to get rid of him without breaking his spine or anything yeah, like that. It's not it's not a good place to have one either. No, I don't. We don't sleep well. I mean, all of a sudden you feel this little wiggly thing. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. What a thought. Well, good luck with it. All right. Well, thanks. Take care. God, what an ugly thought. You imagine waking up in the middle of the night with a mouse in your bed, huh? A little furry, wiggly thing, sort of squiggling down your body in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. We're talking nightmare there. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Uh. Yeah. I'm. Uh. I'm in Hutchison, Kansas, 
That sounds like a good place. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to uh, say, first of all, I'm uh, 15 years old. I'm a ham radio operator as well. Oh, you are? Yeah, I wanted to uh, wanted to say that, uh, yeah, I got the radio on here, so let me turn it down. Okay, I wanted to say, first of all, I heard about uh, what you were talking about a little bit earlier, about, uh, you know, whether or not it's legal. Yes. Well, I've heard uh, different things say over, you know, 20 meter and such of, uh, you know, people will actually broadcast their show from there. Well... Uh, they're getting callers and so forth. Well, I know, but I, you see, I'm going to do a complete cross between ham radio and uh, commercial radio. Okay. And I need a, a ruling on that one. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. I just want to say that... Uh, it would be a great way to promote ham radio. It would be a lot of fun. The people I would talk to would be well aware they were on the air. So if I were the commission, I'd let us let me do it. But I don't know if they will. So somebody in the commission, uh, send me a fax or something. Okay, okay yeah. I uh, just want to say it sounds like a great idea, and I'm a big fan of your show and of uh, Dreamland. Uh, uh, I try to catch it whenever I can. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm a fan, too. Okay, well, take, uh, thanks. Take care. I really am. I mean, that's why I do it, because it's fun. That's why I do this, because it's fun. Hey, listen, if there's anybody, uh, one of the FCC people out there, yes, I know you listen. Of course they listen. If there's anybody in the FCC out there who can tell me whether that's something I can legally do, I'd appreciate it. If I can, I will. You'll enjoy it. Doing it that way, actually putting them on the air so you could hear them, uh, would be a real kick. I just don't, I just don't know if it's legal, and I don't want to stick my neck out. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, I'm at uh, Cedar Spring, Texas. Yes, sir. And I'd like to talk about the base closing situation that Bill Clinton finds himself in. Oh, what a dilemma. Okay, well, here's the way, here's what I think of it, and then I'll tell you what I think he should do. I think that um, if he goes ahead and manipulates it and uh, gets the, the civilian jobs there in California and actually changes the decision, it will not hurt him in other states because... The people who are against him are already going to vote against him because, you know, the gays in the military, he's a communist, he's a draft dodger, the Gat and NASA. they got ten, they got many reasons to vote against him already. So he's not going to pick up any that way. He will, he might have an effect in California. And the competing base that was closed between McClellan, uh, was the one in San Antonio, this Kelly Air Force Base. Right. And he's already lost, uh, Texas to the Republican, probably Pat Buchanan. So, he, he gains enough. To, he ha, he gains um, everything by going ahead and doing his his little deal and and trying to uh, do what he's going to do to get the jobs in California. But here's the suggestion I have for Bill Clinton. Real quick. Okay, get these other bases, the empty ones, and put barbed wire on them. Get some helicopters, paint them black, and then round up the, the nuts that call into some of these talk radio shows and and make their self-fulfilling pro pro promises. Well, yeah, but sir, remember. You might be the first to hear the whirling blades. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time.
You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 4th, 1995. Gee, from one of my board ops, Vincent, Mr. Bell, good good morning, sir. I've been your board operator at WDUNAM 55 in Gainesville, Georgia, ever since we became an affiliate. I'd like to know who do I have to get in touch with to become part of your team. Well, actually, I don't have a team. Well, I have my wife. That's it. Now, there is, of course, the network, and uh, you are welcome to contact the network. Alan Corbett loves talking to aspiring talk show hosts. Um, Alan Corbett is the boss guy there. <laughs> the Base Closure Committee, Art, this is from Cliff in Santa Barbara, determined that the closing of McClellan Air Force Base would save between 11 and $21 million annually. This savings to the federal government is minuscule compared to the loss that would be suffered by the state of California. You are using the issue to grind your axe with the president. No, I'm not. No, that's not true. I'm actually enjoying it. Now, that's not axe grinding. Enjoyment is not axe grinding. I see the president with an insurmountable no-win situation, and I am genuinely enjoying it. I, well, I guess that might be axe grinding. Anyway, uh, you're using this, blah, 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 blah. California is still suffering from the lingering residue of the failed Republican economic strategy of the 80s and the removal of defense funds in the 90s. If you want to address a real issue, why not talk about the $250 billion in funds that the Pentagon did not ask for that was pushed through Congress by a Republican committee chairman whose home district is reaping over 90% of the money. Don't get the idea that I'm a liberal with an axe to grind. No. I'm an independent who's tired of both parties and their spokesmen stirring up emotions and preventing the honest debate of both parties' failed policies. <laughs> you are quick to show the cynicism of the left, as it should be. But don't ignore the cynicism and false conservatism of the right. Just days after Dole lashed out at Times Warner, he sponsored a bill for them and the other media giants. This is the nastiest kind of cynicism. Love Dreamland, love the alien line, be a bit more balanced in your criticisms. They were not so much criticisms, frankly. Um, yes, they were. I've got to be honest. You see, if the president closes the base, he loses California good likelihood. Even uh, Feinstein yesterday said he can't win without California, so he loses. Now, on the other hand, if he interferes with the base closing order, he'll be seen to be playing a political game for personal gain. Now, it may be that America is so used to seeing our president do that, that they won't even flinch. But I would think that most of America would say, my God, here a non-political uh, committee decides to close a base, and, and you, Mr. President, save your own hide, uh, keep it open. So they'd be upset with him for that. They would, they would see our president as acting to protect his own hide versus that of the country. So the way I figure it, he loses either way. And I'm going to enjoy watching what he does. So 
I guess you could translate that enjoyment that I'm feeling, that obvious, warm, fuzzy, political pleasure that it generates deep within my gut, axe-grinding, in a sense, but it's just sort of enjoyment. West of the Rockies, you're on... Whoops, would have been on the air. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Art. How you doing? Okay. I'm glad you caught Ghost. Yeah. And um, I, I think he'll be happy in his new home, don't you? Well, that Better remains to be seen. I mean, who, well, I, you'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, I would think so. I mean, would you rather live below my house? Nope. No. I would think he would be happy in your, that's, that's in right. your home. Okay. I got a couple of international type things. Um, you know, you mentioned that uh, China's giving missiles to Iran. Um, they're actually they're selling missiles um, to Pakistan and selling missile parts for the same missiles to Iran. Yes. Missile parts for the same missiles to Iran. That's Why would that be? Well, instead of selling home missiles, I hell I don't know. They're just they're <laughs> okay. But I, you know, and then we've got Russia. Who is building the, the reactor? You know, for Iran. Yes. And these two, I got something else too. Though these two arch enemies, Russia and China, you know, where they say that eventually they will merge into one large army. You know. No, I don't think so. Well, that's what they say, and I don't know if it's in prophecy. I think it's in prophecy, and um, I don't know. It looks like Israel, you know, will be the target of that if that ever happens. But then I find that uh, there's something else. You know, John Major was given the vote of confidence. Yeah, he uh, he won. It was um, mm -hmm. it was a gamble, but uh, he comes out on the other side stronger. I know, and I read where um, his kind of refusal to uh, go along with this uh, European one European currency uh, kind of put him out of favor with the New World Order globalists, and they wanted to actually remove him. Right. And so it is hopeful that he did win the vote of confidence. Well, it, it gives is. us hope anyway. Well, maybe it gives Pat Buchanan some hope. <laughs> Art, having seen Apollo 13 and listening to your comments about space exploration and where we've gone with it, I've done a lot of thinking. The country needs to rediscover the space program. The Jim Lovells, Neil Armstrong, and Buzz Aldrin's of this country put their lives on the line for space exploration, and we have done absolutely nothing with it. They took the risk to give us knowledge, and we've spit on their contributions by not following through with the space program as it was invented. Gus Grissom and the crew of Gemini and the Challenger astronauts died for the idea of space exploration. And for what? So we can launch satellites for AT&T? I don't think so. Those who believe we need to solve our social problems on Earth before we continue out into space are not seeing the big picture. Though space exploration can, uh, with it, we can solve our problems. Colonizing other planets will give us the breathing space we desperately need. It'll create jobs, prefabricated structures for houses. will need to be made on assembly lines. There'll be a demand for engineers, as they will need to invent things needed for survival on these planets we inhabit. The types of jobs which would be created by space exploration could be endless. You know, it wouldn't take that much for us to get going again. We don't need the competition from the Russians to spark us. As Jim Lovell said, going to the moon wasn't a miracle. We just 
decided to go. Eric. Right, Eric, I agree with you. And if we need something, a goal, to replace uh, the Cold War, then I think space is perfect. What about a president who would stand up and say we're going to Mars and really mean it and begin to pour serious money into it? Well, a lot of people would complain. I would not be one of them. I would love to see that happen in my lifetime. The way the budget is progressing, I do not expect it. We'll be right back. Now, we take you back to the past on Art Bell Somewhere in Time. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Mr. Bell. This is Ron, uh, Pete from Portland. Yes, sir. Oh, you know, Apollo 13, I saw that this weekend. Everybody did, and I, I haven't. How was it? It's a great movie. That's what everyone said. And you said. know, you know what? What? It's gonna, it has been doing great box office, but it is gonna do better box office than the post-apocalyptic movies like Judge Dredd and this water world that's coming up. And you know why? Why? Because America's mood has changed, and we no longer are so frustrated we, we yearn for an apocalypse. I really believe that. I think the, I think the country well, it, I know it, out of it. Well, I it beat uh, Pocahontas, and everybody thought yeah. that was going to do it. Yeah. Hey, you know, I use one of those live traps, those, uh, those plastic ones where the mouse goes in and the door shuts. Yeah. And uh, what you do is you take them over to the toilet and make sure the toilet's running, and it's uh, the undersea world of Mouse Cousteau. Uh, that's, that's, you know, why, though? Uh, you got to. <laughs> Why? They got fleas. They got fleas um, and disease. Well, yeah, but yeah, but you don't have to touch the mouse. Yeah, that's right. I don't have to touch the mouse. Well, all right. I think that's awful. I wouldn't flush a mouse. Uh, no, I wouldn't do that. The only thing I'd flush is a dead goldfish, and I, I consider that burial at sea. <laughs> but a live mouse, I wouldn't. I no, I wouldn't do that. Why do that? I mean, if you can trap them without. Getting disease, you know, get them in a bottle. I just let my cat, my cat catches them, and uh, and I just scoop them up in a bottle, and I take them out into the field and set them free. I mean, why would anybody want to flush a mouse down a toilet? I just, you know, a mouse, even a mouse is a life, right? I'm telling you, I think this is important. Now, it's my only my personal view. And I know it clashes with hunters and clashes with all kinds of people out there. But to me, a life is a life. And I wouldn't kill a mouse. I'd never kill a mouse. I would feel guilty as hell if I killed a mouse. Uh, in other words, uh, without some cause. Now, a mouse bit me or something, I might squish him. <laughs> but, you know, your average running around, hey, I'm just a mouse trying to get a scrap here or there kind of mouse... I wouldn't kill him. I don't, you know, it's the senseless, I, there's no reason. You take him out into the field, and there you go, Mouse. Goodbye. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Art. That's me. Yeah, um, this is John from Camrio. Hello, John. Uh, wanted to let you know uh, about carrying 75 meters on the air. Yeah. That would be cross-banding. Um, no, no, it wouldn't. Well, it's cross-banding, but... Uh, no, no, cross-banding refers to the amateur bands. Yes, well, I'm a former ham. Well, then then you've forgotten a lot. 
because that refers to the amateur bands they're not commercial broadcast well unfortunately um I know JPL does uh, transmit shuttle audio down. Well, I believe that permission to do that can be obtained. Ah. Uh, so, you know, if I could do a show that way, you've got to admit it would be very interesting. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah, I mean, I would just take the audio from the uh, the transceiver over here and uh, wire it right into my board so you guys could really hear it. Yeah. Oh, I was wondering, if I want to go back and get my license, do I have to retake the uh, test? or? Can how, how long has it been? Oh, about five years. Um, I think you're right at the limit. Uh, you may have passed it. You may have to go take the test again. Action being film. Da da dit da 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 dit dit da 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 dit da da da. I just said to you in Morse code, good luck. Okay, and congratulations on your cat. All right, see you later. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. How are you doing, Art? This okay. Is from uh, Northern California. Yes. And uh, the other day you asked if there was still a, a secret space program. Oh, well, we were sort of toying with the idea. Oh, well, I, I talked to a astronaut from, a, from the secret space program. You did? Yeah. Uh, he gave me this real short poem. It's about like uh, uh, 25 seconds. You want me to read it? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't let poems go on there. No. And besides... How do you know he was a secret astronaut? Uh, well, he had a, a really good um, uh, secret name, uh, Henry Cavett Space Cabin the Third. Mm. Uh -huh. You've been having a very wild fourth, haven't you? Uh, well, yeah, I had a couple of beers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir, I can tell. I have here what I call my talkaholic meter. And it just took a big jump. People don't believe that. You see, there are more ways to measure one's alcoholic content than, uh, you know, by going <laughs> into something. It can even be done over the phone. It's my own personal invention. It's called the talkaholic meter. And so that's right. You've got it. I can tell. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Oh, Art, it's down the radio. <laughs> Turn down that radio. We'll just wait while he goes about a half mile. To oh, I'm back. Where are you calling from? From Washington State, Oregon. I'm All right. How's things going? Uh, very well. Every time somebody calls from Washington, it reminds me, in 11 minutes, we move from KVI to KOMO in Seattle. That's right. You know, I was sort of uh, thinking about this uh, Japanese... Uh, Trade embargo, and it, it sort of reminds me of 1945 when, uh, before they start uh, bombing Pearl Harbor, they had somebody in the White House uh, debating peace with those guys. Remember that? Yes. Isn't that crazy? Might have it again, huh? You mean a real war? Well, I, not, not, but not against Japan, but it seems like every time we, we start um, debating with Japan about something, you know, they always, you know, do do an end run around this. I think Pearl Harbor is relatively safe. Uh, you've got to understand the Japanese now have so much investment in Hawaii yeah. that it'd be poor idea to bomb their own. I mean, you get well. I I, I wouldn't say bombing. I, I I was I was you know like a trade war again. That kind of scenario. Oh, I, I see. Not not really. Well, I thought I thought the uh, parallel you were drawing was the trade war and the peace talks versus the current. Uh, possible trade war and uh, 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 turning into a hot war. No, I don't 
Uh, no, I don't think they want that. I think it'll turn it back back into a trade war. Is what I'm thinking. I see. Because the way they are. Uh, congratulations on your cat. I've really been uh, paying attention to that. It's been really a, a fun story to listen to. Well, you may get to hear more after one o'clock. I'm. Thank you. I'm. I I may. I may bring him in here. I mean, he's only ten feet away, and I want to see how he's doing anyway. So I may bring him in here and. Uh, if recent history is any uh, teacher, uh, you'll certainly be able to hear him. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello? Hello? Uh, yes, uh, this is Dennis from Silverdale, Washington. Hi, Dennis. Um, you were talking about doing a show about the um, uh, ham operator. Uh, yes. And I would like to uh, see you do uh, something on the ground wave emergency network. What's that? That's the um, uh, low-frequency government uh, system. Um, it uh, transmits at uh, very low frequency, 150 to 175 kilohertz. Well, yeah, that's... Um a long wave. Uh, why would I want to do that? I mean, that wouldn't be very interesting for the listeners. Well, I think it would be interesting because this is the um, uh, emergency network that the government would use in case of... Uh, yeah, but you know, they'd never let me put that on the air. Ham radio, see, I can put that on the air, and I can actually, if I could get permission, and I could let the audience hear the person I'm talking to wherever they are. That'd be really interesting. There'd be a lot of audience participation. Well, don't you think it would be interesting to uh, for people to understand about this emergency network in case... Well, what, what should they know about it? Well, and if, if other kinds of uh, uh, communication is out, yeah. uh, then this is the system that the government would use to communicate. Well, that's great. So you just said it all, and we don't need to do a show on it. You just told us. Well, the, the problem is that, that there's not much information about how we would how we can access uh, the system. So, okay, how do we do it? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I've talked to the people at Crane, and they said that they have no receivers that pick up that frequency. Yes, they do. It, They've got receivers that go down to 100 hertz. Hmm. Well, hmm. the, the man that I talked to said that they didn't have anything. Yeah, well. That would do that. Uh, they've even got one that goes down lower and can listen to the frequencies generated by the Earth itself. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Mother Earth makes sounds. Well, yeah, I knew they made sounds, but I didn't know that they had anything. Well, they don't officially sell it. I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it, but uh, they've, they've got it. As a matter of fact, I've got one here. Um, the Earth makes um, very interesting sounds, um, almost embarrassing sounds. Would, would be how I'd phrase it. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's that's very interesting. But, um, and I will uh, call uh, C. Crane back and, and talk, see if I can talk to someone who knows more. Well, you talk to Bob Crane. Uh, try and get Bob Crane himself if you want to talk about that. All right? Okay, thank you. All right, thank you very much for the call. <laughs> uh, how low can you go? Uh, we'll be back and we'll find out here shortly. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More somewhere in time coming up.
take you back to the past on Art Bell Somewhere in Time. And for all of you who are just joining us, good morning. Good to be with you. I'm Art Bell. And uh, there are a lot of stations uh, in the last couple of hours that came online. By now, everybody who's going to be there pretty much is there. So I feel obligated to tell this story one more time. I got my cat, folks. <laughs> As you know, yesterday morning, the, uh, the trap had not worked. And uh, we had chicken, uh, actually barbecued chicken in there. I mean, we're talking good chicken here. Chicken I would like to have. Uh, but it didn't work. Uh, he didn't come out and didn't come out and didn't come out and didn't come out. And even after the show, I would keep checking about every half hour. It was useless. Finally, at 11 o'clock in the morning, he wasn't even talking to us, right? At 11 o'clock in the morning, we brought the trap inside and... What we did is we smeared a little Port Chatham tuna juice um, at the beginning of the trap and then put a full can of tuna at the rear of the trap. That was at about 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, I slept until about 7, I think, this evening. Got up shortly before 7, actually, about quarter to 7. And about five minutes before I got up, quap, the door shuts and we've got ghost now um quite a victory i would say um i'm exceptionally pleased about this ghost is now uh, still in the trap what we did is we brought you know the trap has a handle it's a good big trap and so we brought the trap in and laid down a whole bunch of uh newspaper on the bathroom floor which is carpeted here and put the trap on top of that which and then put a food food and water bowl in the trap, and uh, ghost will remain in the trap until morning, about seven or eight o'clock. As soon as I can get hold of a veterinarian, ghost will be going to the vet, where ghost will get examined, uh, cleaned, given shots, given tests, all the things that you've got to get done for a cat will get done, and then ghost will be free of the trap and in the house but not until then. Now, when I go into a commercial break, I will try something. I will go and get Ghost and bring him in here for a moment and see if we can get him to talk to you. Talking is not exactly what I would describe what he does. He, he hasn't been hissing. He hissed once at me. <laughs> Mostly it's just meowing. And he's a beautiful cat. He's only about two months old. I knew that, about two months old. And he's kind of orange and white and has beautiful blue eyes. This is a pretty kitten. So anyway, there it is, the story of Ghost. We've got him, and um, or her. Actually, I don't know yet, and I, I don't have the uh, uh, body parts to try and find out right now. So uh, uh, we're, we're talking about a low-frequency receiver in the last hour. Somebody said, guess what, Art? It's in the catalog. So if you've got a C-Crane catalog, you can look for the earth uh, listening receiver in there I guess and they do have it now let me catch you up on a little bit of the news that we're talking about the big story is what the president is to do oh what is the president to do it's such a quandary for him I I feel emotional pain 
Yes, I feel his pain when I think about the problem that he's got with McClellan Air Force Base. You see, the base closing commission said close it. Presidents do not interfere with what this commission does. They never have until now. On the one hand, if the president closes the base, even with some mixed-up promises to somehow try to keep the jobs in California, the California voters are going to be really ticked off at him. And that's not good, because in order to be re-elected, this president must carry California. Uh, even Senator Dianne Feinstein said it, absolutely, she said, absolutely, he cannot win the presidency without California. So, the president is in a pickle. If he closes the base, he could lose California and the presidency. One-way ticket back to Little Rock. If he interferes and um, orders the base to stay open, he could, uh, he will be seen by the rest of the country as a man doing something purely political against the nation's best nature to save his own pathetic political hide. Now, I do have some sympathy with the position that he's in. I mean, he is a politician, and, and I'll try to be fair here. Uh, Governor Wilson also, I understand, favors keeping the base open. I mean, this is a political world, and if you're a Californian, you've got to favor it, I guess. But the prez, you know, the buck stops there, and... Um, I figure he's going to lose either way. Keeps it open. Everybody else is angry. Sees him as a political dog. Um, if he closes the base, everybody in California is angry. Sees him as a mean-spirited Democrat and doesn't vote for him, and he gets booted out of office. So, oh, what is he to do? I surely, I feel his pain, and I wonder if you do too. And the question is, what do you think he will do? And it's an awfully good question. The Unabomber has sent a Berkeley University professor a letter um, that he received from, uh, well, he's responded to a letter he got from the Unabomber. Tom Tyler said in an open letter to the Unabomber, published in the San Francisco Chronicle, that he shares the Unabomber's concerns about modern American life, but that violence makes people resist change. And I, I wonder how many of you share the Unabomber's concern about modern, scientific, technological American life. The Internet, television, movies, pollution, we've got it. Deforestation, we've got it. How many of you would express deep concern and would, would actually say that you share uh, the Unabomber's um, uh, feelings on this, if not his action. The um, shuttle and Mir undocked at 7.09 a.m. yesterday morning. They will return tomorrow, I understand, with two Russian cosmonauts and our guy who's been up there and I'm sure will be glad to be home.
It was indeed a cosmic ballet. Remember 2001? They could have put music to it, and finally one of the networks did yesterday, and it was beautiful. How many of you think by the year 2300, we will be out populating other planets elsewhere? Or will we just sort of stick around, worry about pollution and ozone and stuff? Or do you think eventually we'll get the spirit, we'll get the space program going again, we will provide a goal and a reason for Americans to strive and work. It'll create jobs. Oh, I could go on and on. The case for the space program is a strong one. We ought to get going. Be a good thing for this president to grab and run with. So uh, all of that's up for talk. Uh, I've got a story on immigration. O.J., the trial gets going again tomorrow, and it's about to get very interesting. The final witness for the uh, prosecution is Nicole Simpson's mom. And after that, it will be the defense turn. Uh, the big question, whether or not O.J. will go on the stand, would you put him on the stand? I was talking about blue-tip matches uh, yesterday morning, and uh, this fellow, uh, Gunner, he calls himself, in Palm Desert, sends the following art. A blue-tip match story. When I was eight, eight years of age, I filled a large glass Coke bottle full of blue-tip matches and strapped it to a roller skate <laughs> in an attempt to make a homemade rocket sled. Mm. Our home had hardwood floors and a very long hallway, so I pointed it down the hallway and set it off. The result exceeded my wildest imagination. Fire shot out the end of the Coke bottle a good ten feet, accompanied by copious, acrid smoke. Unfortunately, the vehicle lacked control and crashed soon after takeoff. After the crash, it sat there madly spinning, shooting fire out the nozzle. The damn thing nearly burnt the house down. Wanted to share it with you. Gunner, Palm Desert. It's a man after my own heart. Hardwood floor, huh? Oh, boy. So, back to the phones. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Art. This is Madison, Wisconsin, Colin. Well, how you doing? Well, pretty good. Listen, uh, I want to talk about this Unabomber thing in the, in a kind of a larger context, because I've okay. been trying to call you for days about the uh, the Supreme Court decision about the Envi Endangered Species Act. Yes, all right. All right. Now, what what I believe about it is that you really can't control where these species live or where they fly over or whatever. And I think the ecosystem is connected from one end of the country to the next. And we've only been in this continent for 200 years, and look what we've done to it. We've like Well, did you hear the man who called yesterday and said he equated Mother Earth to a living organism that very shortly now is going to spit mankind out? Uh, I, I sure did. Yeah. And I agree with that, oh, but you do, I also huh? think that we've hastened the process tremendously. I mean, these things may well go in cycles, and we've greatly increased it. And even if that's true, is that what you want? I mean, you're talking a few minutes ago about exploring space. Do we yes. want to get knocked back to the Dark Ages, especially no. if we don't have to? No, I don't. Okay. Well, now, in relation to the Unabomber, obviously, I mean, I've faxed you before about this a number of times. I, I think the guy is, is kind of insane because of his violent tendencies. 
But I think the revulsion that he has for modern techno society right. is pretty genuine. And I have a lot of neighbors. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm living in Madison, but I have a farm 100 miles from here, and all my neighbors up there are Amish. And are, you can't believe what a pleasant lifestyle they have. I mean, they don't agree with any technology, and they have no crime and no violence and no divorce and no abortions. And, I mean, you can look at their lifestyle from one end to the other and see nothing but a serene yeah, but, spiritual life. And yeah, we, but, I'm not saying we all need to be Amish, Art, but I'm saying no, we I, are look, Okay, far... hold it. Pause, take a deep breath. Look, I know. But I just, and I, I'm... Maybe I'm defensive because I'm deeply involved in all of this kind of technology, and I mean deeply. I think that's true. And so um, I just I don't feature it as causing the social problems that we have. I really don't think it is. I can make the case in 30 seconds for why I think it is involved with that. All right. All right. It's my, it's my belief. 27, 27. <laughs> it's my belief that, that the, the pro technology has made it possible for us to, for, to sidestep the most basic of human things. In other words, you live in your little well-insulated box. It's air-conditioned. You don't know there's a desert out there. You, everybody's gotten soft because the technology has made it so possible to be soft, and the medical world has made it possible for us to survive possibly longer than we should. We're not even genetically, you know, uh, choosing the best people to survive anymore because some people who are basically sickly all their lives are still reproducing, adding to the to the gene pool, etc. So I think technology in a way is enabling us to become such a weaker species that we are are basically blind to the realities of life. And so then, Herr Doctor, what is your prescription? Well, my prescription is that Technology is extremely useful, but it needs to be, and I suspect the Unabomber agrees, appropriately channeled. And yeah, you see, know, you were if, beginning, if I ruled I mean, the world, for example, yeah, but sir, you were, you were, uh, if you ruled the world, I have a feeling that old, sickly people, you know, wouldn't be old and sickly very long. Right. That's but right. That's what I thought. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call. But. Um, uh, somehow, uh, your your solution uh, is pretty distasteful. I mean, yeah, sure. We, I, you know, I had somebody like this yesterday who called. You know, basically, the old people ought to be put away. The sickly people ought to be put away. The genetic misfits ought to be eliminated from reproducing. We should consider those who are a drag on society. You know we're talking chamber here, right? Time to report to the chamber. Your time's up. We've decided you're not really useful anymore. You're lollygagging around all day. Time for the gas. Well, I don't know. I don't know, folks. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello, Art. Hello. This is Richard in Lafayette, Indiana. The yes. KFM. Excellent. Um, I was just uh, calling to see if you'd uh, seen uh, or know anything about the piece on the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh, they, uh, I, I was uh, channel surfing and caught uh, headline news and saw a piece about them bringing up the bell. And apparently it's in pretty deep water. And... Uh, uh, they're trying to get Canada to make it a uh, 
National Memorial so that uh, the commercial divers can't desecrate it. And what is your view? Well, I think that uh, that's a good idea, that uh, there's no need to <clears throat> desecrate that uh, resting place of 29 sailors. And uh, what they're talking about doing is uh, putting a replica of the bell back down with all the names. Um. I'm sure in their view it does you know they they're not intending to desecrate anything. Um and I'd have to think how I feel about it. I, I don't have a ready answer for you. Mhm. Mm um Actually I was just calling to see if you had heard it and also to say I really enjoy the show and I'm I'm waiting with bated breath for our station to pick up Dreamland. Oh, uh they have not done so yet. Not yet. Well, give them a call and ask them nicely to do it. I shall do so. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. I don't know. Uh, it's like talking about the desecration of the flag. It depends on the intent of the person doing it, right? What do they intend? What do they mean by it? Uh, or the burning of the American flag. Uh, I heard stats the other day that there have been, that they know of, like two or three at the most uh, flag burnings in the last couple of years. People are not burning a lot of flags. And uh, so I, I don't know about this constitutional amendment. I mean, it sounds good. And maybe if it was a big problem, uh, it would go through. But it really isn't. I mean, two or three flags a year, by some nutball case, um, I just don't know if that means we need an amendment. I don't know if the size of the problem justifies the um, uh, the remedy of being suggested. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 4th, 1995. Okay, here we go. This should be interesting. I'm going to lift the, uh, here we go. Hello, buddy. Hi, kitty. Now, I don't know whether you can hear this guy or not. I have no idea whether it's coming over the, uh, coming over the air. Hi. That's my little guy. He's, uh, oh, he's rubbing against the cage, kind of like, he's a good kitty. He's a good kitty. And he's been eating his food, I can see, and drinking his water. And I'm sure he'd like to be out of there, and tomorrow he will be. Kitty. He's a good kitty. He's a good kitty. Anyway, that, my friend, friends, uh, is a ghost. And he's got a little brown, and he's looking at me right now. He's got a little brown, and he's got a little orange in him, and a little bit of white, and he's got blue eyes. And he looks like he would rather be somewhere other than where he is. But it's got to be better than under the house, huh, ghost? So, anyway, there you have it. He's a good kitty. See, no hissing. It's just kind of a meow. And uh, I guess he's, hopefully he's glad. No, he doesn't like this cage. He keeps pushing against the cage like, hey, I want to get out of here. But 
it's not too bad. You know, he's not really wild. He's not, uh, uh, I think we caught him early. He's a good kitty. Good kitty. Well, anyway, uh, Ghost goes back into the bathroom uh, in a much safer and uh, quieter environment, and I will take a break here at the bottom of the hour. But I was glad, I was, you still hear him, uh, I was glad you were able to hear him. That, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, a conclusion to a long, long saga. Welcome to the house, Ghost. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. She's coming in from the defiant. The moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation. I stopped an old man along the way. Hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies. Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from the 4th of July, 1995. Well, I hope you were able to hear Ghost. I trust you were. I could hear him in my headphones, so I think that meant that you could hear him. At any rate, um, I, here's a fact just in art. Please help me. I'm a member of your BBS, you know, the bullet board. Can't figure out how to download files. I'm new to computers within the last month. I'm desperate to see some of the fantastic stuff on the board. If the matter is too complex to explain on the air, at least tell me where I can find the help I need. Uh, love you here at WTAZ Talk Radio 102 in Peoria. Well, um, it, it is too hard to explain on the air, or uh, actually I don't even think I could. It depends on your individual situation. I will tell you this much technical data. Uh, you need a good uh, computer. Uh, you need a modem, preferably 2400 baud or better. Uh, the 14.4s or the 28.8s are really nice. You need, um, in your computer, uh, the ability to view files in the 640 by 480 times 256 color format at least that and uh, most of all you've got to know how to download and what I recommend is uh, Don that you get hold of somebody there in your dialing area you know a bulletin board there in Peoria and I'm sure they have many of them and get some help uh, or get a friend who's got a computer has been doing it for a while knows how to download and get some help that's the best advice I can give you get your help locally and uh, once you've figured out how to download, it's not a big deal. 
uh, you probably need to do a little work, a little brain strain, and uh, you'll figure it out. And then um, you'll be able to call our bulletin board with assurance and know that you know what you're doing. Um, our, by the way, uh, while I'm on the subject, I, my mom, you know, I'm writing this book, and my mom prepared me a whole, just a tremendous, uh, all these materials she sent me. And I have got photographs of myself as a baby. I've got photographs of my mom when she got married and when she was pregnant with me. As a matter of fact, I've got a picture of my mom one day before I was born. One day. I've got a picture of my mom in the Marines, several really nice ones, as a matter of fact, and those will go into the book. But there was one picture I found that I just fell in love with. It's of my dad. And uh, my dad was the uh, with the 1st Marine Division that hit Guadalcanal, and that was a hell of a fight, I'll tell you. And it was faded to the point where you could barely detect the photograph. And I took the program in my computer that I work with. I, I pride myself now in my scanning abilities. And I resurrected this photograph, and I brought it back. And... I tell you, here's my dad. Uh, in tre must have been, uh, I guess, a lieutenant then. I know when he came back from Guadalcanal, he was a captain at that point. But must have been a lieutenant then. And he's sitting, uh, I guess, at Guadalcanal. And he's got his rifle in his hands. And he's got a hat, you know, a typical Marine hat for those days on, decorated with all kinds of bushes. I mean, he looked... In, in fatigues, and if this isn't John Wayne, I don't know that I've ever seen John Wayne. So that photograph is now on the bulletin board. It is sort of a teaser for some of the ones that are going to be in the book. This is really cool. I think it's cool. So if you want to download a photograph of my dad at Guadalcanal, all you've got to do is dial up the bulletin board, and the name of the file is dad, D-A-D-M, Dad M, that to me just meant Dad Marines, um, dot G-I-F. Dad M dot G-I-F. It now is on the bulletin board. And I'd love to get your opinion uh, when you get the photograph. First time caller line, you're on the air. Kurt, this is Barb and Feeney. How you doing? Hi, I just wanted to tell you I think Little Ghost might be a girl. What makes you say that? Any cat that has more than two colors is normally a calico cat, and really? normally if they have more than two colors, they're girls. This cat looks like a marble, you know, with sort it of... It sounds pretty. A, a swirl of color. Oh, it's a very, very pretty cat. There's no I love the way color. she sounds on the phone. <laughs> you, you mean on the radio? On the radio, So that, right. did, that did come through, huh? Oh, yes, very well. She <laughs> just sounds so sweet. Yeah, and yeah. she's rubbing up against the cage. Did you put your finger, finger in there and try no, to get it? No, 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 no. I haven't done that yet. Oh. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, after all, he or she, whatever, yeah. has been living under the house, and who knows. So to the vet early in the morning, 8 o'clock, and then uh, and then we'll see. Okay. Well, I'll be listening tomorrow night to, <laughs> to find out. All right. Thanks. Thank you uh, very much for the call. East of the Rockies, you're on here. Hello there. Whoops, I didn't punch it. There you are. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Uh, yes, or good morning. This is Larry in St. Augustine, WFOY. How you doing? Pretty good. 
Listen, we were talking about the bulletin board a while ago. Yes, uh-huh. Uh, I tried calling that earlier, uh, well, last night, as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. And I got a 14-4. Uh-huh. And I hook up. I can hear the modems, uh, you know, talking. Yep. And I get on, and uh, and I'm getting static. You know, I'm getting the sporadic characters it's all over called, the It's called line noise. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh... How I, can I... Remember to that. You, I mean, uh, well, you can call the phone company. Well, I call local lines, and I don't have that problem. Well, uh, naturally not. You're going all the way across the country. It depends. I'll tell you how it is. It's the luck of the Irish. In other words, one time you dial, you'll get a clean line. Uh -huh. Another time, you'll get a noisy line. And you can go and raise hell with the phone company if you want to, but you might as well go bash your head against the wall if you yeah, want to. Yeah, they'll just tell me to get a data line. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Well, I sure enjoy your show, Art, and I'm Thank glad you. you caught the little critter <laughs> Good, outside there. You heard him okay, did you? Yeah, he sounded he sounded fine. He yeah. sounded like he's uh, yeah. sounded like he's uh, relieved to be inside. As a matter of fact. Well, wouldn't you be? Oh yeah. Uh, although after the ordeal you put that poor cat through, <laughs> yeah, the starvation <laughs> diet and such as that. Actually, uh, he's not as emaciated as as you might expect, and I think it's from you know the last two or three weeks of good feeding that we've been giving him. So yeah. he's a little healthier. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for the call. One can only imagine what kind of diet he, he's been subsiding on, uh, subsisting on uh, under the house. Uh, everything I suspect that crawls. <sighs> but you got to do what you got to do, right? First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. This is Chris. I'm from... Sterling, I'm, I'm listening to you on WSDR. Uh, where is that? Sterling, Illinois. Oh, Sterling, Illinois, all right. Yep. And I wanted to talk to you about ghosts. Right. I have two cats of my own, Spunky and Sheba. <laughs> and um, I got Sheba under some kind of similar circumstances. Um, last winter, when we had that blizzard weather, someone just dumped her out at my mom and dad's house, and they live out in the country. And she, In a blizzard? Yes. Now, that's... That's really cold. Turn your radio off for me, dear. Oh, okay. You would, please. Uh, uh, dumping a cat in a blizzard, that's, that's, and I don't mean to be funny, it's really a cold thing to do. Yes, it is. And she was smart enough to get up on the wood that my mom and dad have on the porch and look in their kitchen window, and she was like, take me. <laughs> and yeah, so we of course. took her. Of course. And she has been the best cat a person could ever have. I mean, she is very loving, she's very caring, and I hope that Ghost will give you the same kind of pleasure that Shiva and Spunky give us. I hope it's true. And also I wanted to say one thing about the O.J. Simpson case. I feel that no matter if they put him on the stand or whether they don't, he's going to get off anyway. He ain't going to jail. Well, do you think his, let's try it this way, are his chances improved by going on the stand or... Do you think when Marsha Clark gets hold of him in cross-examination, she'll shred him? I think she'll shred him. Because my, my, me, myself, personally, I feel he's guilty. Guilty I, as sin. Yeah, that makes two of us. I think that he just went into a jealous rage and just went nuts. And if she puts him on, if they put him on the stand, she's going to tear him up. He, his story is going to have so many holes in it. It isn't even funny. But no matter what, I still don't feel that he's going to go to jail because of his popularity and because of him being so famous. I don't think he'll see even one minute of serious jail time. Oh, I, I think it's fairly serious jail time he's yeah. already had. Uh, I, I thank you for the call, and I do somewhat disagree. 
I'm, I don't think they're... Boy, I'll tell you, if they came back with a not guilty verdict, there would be a lot of cynicism around this country. Ooh, a lot of cynicism. That would be bad. Very bad, my opinion. More likely, it will be a hung jury. And uh, most likely, they will retry him. And we will get to go through, oh, what do you say? Another six months of another tr trial? Don't you suppose? I was talking earlier tonight. I've been threatening to do this for years. I would like to do a show on ham radio. And I don't mean have my show on ham radio. I mean that I think it would be great some night to actually take the output of my transceiver and hook the audio up to my board and be able to make a few contacts on the air and uh, to air the entire thing so that you could hear it clearly. Ham radio uh, is such a wonderful hobby, but, you know, I understand the eyes of many would glaze over. And to do a show just talking about ham radio... And I know Ray Bream, who uh, I know, who's a friend, used to do those kinds of shows. But I've got my ham rig right next to my broadcast uh, setup, and I could literally hook the two up. And I could actually let you hear m me talking to people on the air. Now, the legality of doing something like that is very obscure. We really don't know. And I just got a fax on it, and what I'm actually asking is that somebody in the FCC um, uh, send me a fax and, uh, and let me know. Now, this is not from the FCC, but it, it attempts to cover it. Listen to this. Hi, Art. Happen to be in my ham shack listening to your show. Some answers. Using ham... For broadcasting and the rebroadcast of ham signals is covered in the rules, section 97.113. The rules prohibit using your ham radio to broadcast to a wide audience, except ARRLs, Morse code practice sessions, and similar things. This, of course, is not what you are talking about. You also can't use your ham to do news gathering for a broadcast facility. However, in the FCC rulebook, published by the ARRL 7th edition, it says on page 7-2 that a broadcast station can rebroadcast a ham conversation live or taped for demonstration purposes, such as showing a field day, as long as the ham station is not doing something directly related to program production or news gathering for broadcast purposes. So, it's a judgment call. It sounds like you are demonstrating the art of ham radio. Yes, that's right. It's what I wanted to do. But I guess you could also consider it related to program production. So I don't know. It looks to me like it would be okay, but you ought to read the rule yourself. Well, I already knew, thank you, John, in Portland, that it was kind of a gray area, and that's why I was saying if there's anybody in the F. CC out there, you guys do listen, and gals, send me a fax and let me know whether you think it's cool or not. All I want to do is do an interesting program on ham radio, and instead of the usual talk about it, which I think bores people, 
And since I operate right next to my ham station, I thought, you know, I could just wire the output of the transceiver right here into the board and actually bring the broad, uh, bring the uh, uh, the audio up so that you could hear it as I hear it, and the people I talk to for demonstration purposes would know they're on the air being broadcasted nationwide. So bearing all that in mind, I wonder, uh, I wonder if it's legal. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 4th, 1995. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, Charlie, liberal in California. Yo ho. Uh, as far as the Unabomber, uh, first of all, if we catch him, you know, he's got to probably get the death penalty. That goes without saying. He probably should. But um, I, I can understand his point from a certain uh, viewpoint. I believe that um, if you look at some of these multinational uh, corporations and uh, conservatives who want to bend over backwards and kiss their hiney, let them do anything they want to do and have absolutely no controls over them whatsoever. I mean, it's um, like he almost complained about the military-industrial complex, huh, Charlie? Well, that's a pro that was a problem, too. Brought that problem, by the way, was brought up by a Republican named uh, Eisenhower. That's what he said, beware of. Uh -huh. yeah. So I have, I have no problem with that. But again, it shows you where conservatism is going. They basically want no controls on business whatsoever, really? as far as pollution, as far as... I think if you look at... Well, do you think the Unabomber, since you mentioned it, do you think the Unabomber is a conservative, Charlie, or a liberal? No, I think he's a very far right. I think he's a very far left liberal. An interesting thing... If oh, you wait, wait a minute. Hold it, hold it. You said you think he is a very far left liberal. Is yeah. that right? Uh-huh. I just wanted to be sure I heard that correctly. Actually, if you look if you look at it, it's very interesting. You know, you look at the very extreme liberals, they're all very intelligent. Whereas the extreme right-wingers, you know, you got guys like... McVeigh, whose IQ is probably below sea level, says I think it says a lot about political philosophies. Let me say, lastly, on this uh, base closing thing, if it was up to you know, if it were up to me, I'd close every base in the United States almost, except for maybe one or two or something like that. I'm sure That's you would. Not yes. a lot. I, I think uh, other than um, other than farm subsidies, uh, it may be uh, corporate welfare. I think. Uh, military-industrial complex, now that you mentioned it, is one of the biggest welfare programs. So tell me, Charlie, now, now uh, the president is in a bit of a pickle here, and uh, wh what do you think he ought to do? Uh, should he go ahead and close it, and uh, just the consequences in California be damned? Well, the politically correct thing to do would be to keep it open, and but uh, the oh. morally correct thing to do oh. would be simply to, to uh, you know something, you could close all these military bases and use that money because if you're going to use I'll tell you what if I were to call your show and say you know what we need some make work programs like uh, like Franklin Roosevelt had just putting people to work and just paying them money if I called and said that you'd be the first person to disagree with me and yet a lot of these unnecessary bases that's exactly what that is exactly what it is and so if you're going to do that why not just take the money and say all right, all right so then all right all right you've drawn it out well then will the president do the political thing or the morally correct thing charles in uh, your opinion i think well he didn't get where he was today being there's a lot of being morally correct, correct. <laughs> there's a lot of morally correct guys that are sitting on their butt unemployed right now all right so. thank you <laughs> 
Thank you, Charles. Uh, you, uh, I think you actually told the truth there. Uh, it sounded painful for you in a way, but uh, uh, you told the truth. So given a choice uh, <laughs> between doing the morally correct thing and the politically correct thing, meaning for Bill Clinton's own butt, he will do the politically correct thing for Bill Clinton's own butt. And uh, those were the, the words, uh, though they came out haltingly, uh, of Charles on what the president will do. Fascinating. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, after hearing Charles uh, mutter and sputter about the president's predicament, I think it's a great topic. Which do you think he will do? I'm not asking you which you think he should do. In other words, to close McClellan uh, or not. I'm asking you what you think he will do. Will he act to do the moral thing, uh, as Charles put it, and close the base? Or will he act to do the Clinton-esque type thing, which is to protect his political butt and ensure his re-election? Oh, what, oh, what to do? The president has a problem, and uh, I'd like to hear what you think he will do. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up. Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 4th, 1995. Just got a note from the uh, WKY Oklahoma City News Department. And it reads as follows, Art, this is to correct the caller from Oklahoma City on your show about 4.40 this morning, I guess, their time. Our state legislature is not calling for an independent investigation of the Oklahoma City bombing. Actually, a single legislator wants the state house to conduct an investigation, but this legislator apparently has his own agenda with regard to the nature of the explosion using so-called experts on explosives. Some political watchers say he's digging his own political grave. Regarding the KFOR report, Channel 4 is continuing to follow up on its own investigation. We plan to have the reporter and news director on the air here at WKY when and if they finish that investigation. 
They have not, however, had a follow-up story in the last several days. So that catches you all up on that. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Let me uh, click down my radio. Yes. Hi. Anyway, as far as uh, Clinton possibly having any involvement with China, selling missiles to Pakistan. Pakistan. Now, wait a minute. Nobody said he had involvement. No, he's not he's doing anything about it. Oh, yes. I really don't think that he will, and that I think that uh, American policy as a whole is seeing that as balance of power in the subcontinent. But what's an even scarier thing as far as China goes is uh, the Spratly Island. It is a, look, it is a, it's a very tough call. Yeah, I know they, they've actually almost come to blows over the Spratlys here recently. Uh, the Philippines. Yeah. has actually uh, sent out what little bit of a navy that they have uh, on alert now. I'm, I'm aware of that. And uh, considering that Vietnam, a constant enemy of China, is also uh, disputing this, that China has now taken over Indonesia's oil field, yep. that they've said that they'd agreed to before in previous agreements saying, these oil fields are yours, no problem. Now they've decided that it's theirs. Now, I really, I hate to sound all conspiracy-minded and doom and gloomy here. Hey, no problem. We do it all the time. Go well, uh, that's why I'm calling your show. Hey. <laughs> anyway, but I really do feel that there is some collusion on uh, the uh, administration's part. American administrations in the past, of course, before with uh, the Soviets backing India so much, but... I feel that there's still a certain amount of collusion in the... Well, look, okay, but look, um, you know, you could make the same kind of case with Taiwan, for example, uh, and the way we've treated that, but you cannot ignore China, and if you do so, you do it at your own peril, and there are national security considerations that go beyond Taiwan, the Spratleys, or maybe even what they're selling to Pakistan. Well, I, I don't know. It's an open question. It's well, not an easy decision. Well, the spooky thing about the Spratleys, though, is that you mentioned national security. That's right. Our national security is going to be completely screwed if uh, they start making moves into Southeast Asia. Well, uh, that's exactly right. And, and so what you try to do is you go, hold it, sir. You try to walk a fine line, and you try to prevent that by allowing them to, to expand uh, dramatically, economically, and you try and sort of keep them on that fine line and say, don't do this and don't do that, or you're going to ruin your chances uh, economically, and you try to hope that will have an influence on them. Uh, I, I don't see what else you do. What would you do? Uh, well, goodness. I mean, I'm, I'm a rather uh, hawkish dove, a uh, hawkish left-winger, but I'm no uh, fan of China. But I, I personally, uh, I'd have uh, withdrawn their uh, most favored nation uh, trading status uh, long ago. Well, maybe, and maybe, with, sir, maybe. All right, thank you. Maybe you would have. But there would go your influence. Look, I, I'm not entirely unsympathetic to this decision. Uh, by the president uh, being a difficult one. It is. There's no easy answer here. China is a power. China cannot be ignored. It's a nuclear power. China is soon to be an economic power that would scare the hell out of you if you ever saw it. 
China does things on a scale that, frankly, um, for most Americans, it's just unimaginable. If you ignore China, you definitely do it at your own peril. If you cast off all influence over China, the odds are she's going to react and do things that will very much displease you. On the other hand, if she's are going to do things that are going to end up with Iran getting a nuclear missile capable of landing a warhead in the U.S. of A. It was a tough call, is what I'm trying to say. A very, very tough call. And while I'm kind of joking about the, uh, the president's political dilemma domestically, the international one with China is no joke. And I'm not even sure I know what the right answer is. It's going to take a little bit of thought. You don't give up your influence just like that. Because that's the only hope you've got. On the other hand, when you have determined that you absolutely can have no influence, and what China is doing is directly uh, detrimental to this country's national security, then you do what you have to do. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, um, I'm calling from Oceanside, California. Yes, sir. And um, seeing the Blade Citizen newspaper from June 22nd. Um, it's not a tabloid or anything. It's a regular newspaper. Yeah. There's um, an article, UFO sightings reported by Vista residents. Yes, sir. And um, something happened there on the 20th, or on Tuesday, two days before that, the 20th, I guess. And... Um, one of the witnesses says that after the thing disappeared, a bunch of military helicopters showed up. Black, right. And um, let's see, um, the UFO investiga investigating group in San Diego, Orion, is investigating it. They're taking it seriously. Oh, yes. Um, there have been some reports of balloons being sent up with candles, sort of as a joke. But uh -huh. this group here says... No, it wasn't anything like that. And you know, then, you know what I always thought would be cool if you wanted to hoax it. You get yeah. a you get a big balloon. You can buy them; they're industrial balloons, and you fill it up. Uh, and uh, below it, you uh, hang a battery-operated strobe light. Oh, that would you, do it. You want to freak people out? Now there, there's an idea. That would do it. That would work. And then in the same article, um, in the same newspaper, that is that day. Yes. The next day, um, after the UFO sighting, there was a 4.3 earthquake about 30 miles out in the ocean here. And I felt that. I was um, um, about 2.15 in the afternoon, and I felt that. Well, sir, there have been a lot of earthquakes lately. And George Michael Scallion, he says that... Gordon, Gordon, Gordon Michael Scallion. Gordon Michael Scallion says that something should happen by December. By the end of the year. Okay. And uh, finally, one other thing. You a good swimmer? Um, uh, not since the Navy, no. Mm -hmm. no. Might want to spruce up. Yeah, one other thing. In Timothy Good's book, Yes. Um, Above Top Secret, Yes. he mentions uh, Britain's Lord Mountbatten made a suggestion investigating these things that perhaps these were actual living things themselves, not vehicles. And an, in an interesting point 
doing survey of royal history. I've been in communication with the palaces and things. And the old queen mother, who's 95 years old, yes. as a side thing in some messages to her about royal history, I mentioned Lord Mountbatten's study of this. That's right. And they did not ignore the letter. They still wrote back about the main subject. If I were to tell you, sir, that I have a security clearance. You do? Not no, not just. I'm, I wasn't done. Not just any security clearance, but forty-two degrees above top secret. What would you say? I um. Oh, well, I don't know anything about that. Forty-two degrees above top secret. That sounds way out. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is that real or? Well, what's your best guess? Um, that sounds, uh, I never heard of that. Before. You've got to imagine somebody in the media like myself uh, could pressure them, in effect, into uh, giving me this kind of uh, clearance so that I could know things so that they could keep me quiet. You know, I, I've heard you talk about that. Make, make me sign papers and stuff. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that and mm -hmm. suggest that some listeners think that you might have something to do with the government or something. But CIA? Yeah, some of them think I'm CIA. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh -huh. All right, well, thank you. Uh, have a good morning. Somewhere in Time with Art Bell continues, courtesy of Premier Networks. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. How are you this evening? Just fine. Uh, glad you got the cat. Smarter than a cat. <laughs> well, we were worried about him getting stuck under there. and Yeah, well. That long, slow, lingering death of starvation. Nothing, yeah. anything wants to go through. Right. Now we can have a, low, a long, slow, lingering association with human beings. There you go. Sometimes almost as painful. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> You know, Charles always, he always gets me fired up at being a, a, a devotee of Ayn Rand and objectivist epistemology. Mm. You know, uh, you know, I really honestly believe that production is mankind's highest, uh, calling. Highest calling to be a productive individual no matter what your field. And you know, it seems that Charles would be happy if the whole world was just one giant looters festival that the, <laughs> the productive were robbed to, to Charles, look, Charles, uh, works for the government. I'm using that word loosely. I mean, he has an association with the government that gives him a check. And yeah. so it gives him an attitude, too. He's probably a snitch for the ATF. You know? Actually, no, he's got two jobs. I believe Charles uh, is a border guard, believe it or not, a border guard. Uh, a, and, a border and, patrol agent, you mean? Yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> his second job... Uh, this one will really uh, uh, put a chill down your spine, is he counsels juvenile delinquents. Oh, great. You mean indoctrinates young skulls. <laughs> how, how, now, how does uh, Charles' uh, anti-gun, emotion-filled rhetoric uh, square away with his carrying of a sidearm as a Border Patrol agent? Well, uh, his view is close to that of Clinton's. That is, that uh, police, which in you know he would loosely consider himself to be a police person, Mm -hmm. And the military are the only ones who ought to have guns. That's how it squares. Well, I guess they they never read the Federalist Papers, have they? Well, probably not. Yeah. I, you know, it's amazing all these, these federal agents take an oath to uphold the Constitution first and foremost, and they have, haven't the faintest, foggiest idea what 
what lies within. Listen, you know the terrible predicament our president is in. What do you think he will do? Over the base or over Pakistan? I think Pakistan is, is the more more uh, dangerous. Well, uh, you're right. Kettle. Actually, it's the same kind of uh, decision in a lot of ways. Uh, no matter wh which way you go, your goose is cooked. Well, I, I don't think he has the the the, uh, the testicular fortitude to make a proper decision either way. I think he'll he'll waffle and and, and slide back and forth trying to make everybody happy. Like All right. Always. So then, what one day, uh, uh, ten or twenty years from now, when uh, Iran has lobbed an atomic weapon onto the east coast somewhere, somebody will reach back and remember and blame Clinton for ignoring it. You see, yes, it is. The, the uh, difficulty of the decisions um, is very similar. China is selling um, missiles that can carry nuclear warheads to Pakistan. He's selling parts for the same missiles to Iran. China is doing that now. We have satellite intelligence, and we have satellite, uh, excuse me, uh, human intel on the ground, both of which confirm this is going on. It mandates we cut off trade with China. What do you think he will do? Well, for now, nothing. The administration is saying, well, it seems like circumstantial evidence to us. Circumstantial? You've got satellite photographs. Circumstantial? You've got agents on the ground saying it's already a done deal. And you're sitting there in the White House saying, ah, it's just circumstantial. But I do sympathize with the difficulty of the decision to cut off trade with China completely is dangerous in a lot of ways. Of course, so are the missiles. Hmm. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art Bell. Yes. This is uh, Kurt from Phoenix. Yes, sir. Um, you, you know, I've never heard you discuss... Uh, there's a, a pill made by DuPont. It's called Revia. It's spelled R-E-V-I-A. And what does it do? What does it do? It's a 50 milligram, it's a 50 milligram pill. Yeah. What it does is it, if you're an alcoholic, I was a heavy drinker, very heavy drinker for, t for 12 years. Oh, and it makes you sick? It, no, 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 no. It's not anti-abuse. It was just approved by the FDA December 31st, 1994. Yes. What it does is it eliminates the craving for alcohol, totally. What it does is it builds the endorphins. Okay, after drinking for a long period of time, your body does not release endorphins naturally. It needs the alcohol. That's why you become physically. So, in other words, it replaces uh, endorphins. Correct. As a nicotine patch replaces nicotine. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good parallel, isn't it? Yeah, and, it, it, you know, uh, what, it, what it does, and if you drink on it, uh, what it does is it... Uh, when you drink on it, yeah. it blocks it blocks the effect of the alcohol. You get no effect. The trouble is that a lot of people who are actually alcoholics have more than just a physical addiction. Yeah, it's a psychological addiction as well. But when you when you take this pill every day, and if you do drink, uh, you will not feel anything. I was on it for three months, and I haven't drank since February twenty fourth. Excellent. Uh, in fact, uh, my roommate is going to open up a clinic, an outpatient clinic, using naltrexone, Revia, uh, uh -huh. with therapy also. You know, therapy is real important. 
Right. You know, I myself go to AA meetings also. Right. Uh, you know, but it's just a really interesting uh, drug. There's been articles in, in Newsweek and uh, Time back in January when it came out. They also use it for heroin uh, addiction, but you have to be clean. You have to be off heroin or methadone for... Well, the key, the key to... Uh well, methadone, of course, becomes the addict. You know, it's a replaced addiction. Right. Now, you've got to be ready to stop yourself or no pill or no patch or anything else is going to do it because you don't want to do it. You want to keep drinking and you want to keep getting the effects of the alcohol or the drug. So Correct. it's like a mental decision you've got to make. But this could be a really, you know, they were saying in Newsweek, this could be a breakthrough drug. They, they take heroin addicts and actually shoot them up with naltrexone in, like, Mexico and Spain. They shoot them up in four hours or totally detox, and then they give them the naltrexone or Revia, uh, you know, a three-month supply of it. They, they, you know, anesthesia, they bring them under to the point. Well, you know, like, I hope I hope it works. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people... Uh, God knows we need it. Yeah, I mean, you know... Okay, Art, nice talking to you. Have a good evening. Thank you. Uh, so I hope it works. You know, they've been looking for that for years. But the basic human condition uh, is one that craves escape, craves pleasure. And um, it's a very complicated, complex thing separating somebody from a true addiction because it is physical and psychological. First time caller line, you're on the air. Yeah, Art. Hello. Hey, it's nice to talk to you. Uh, you. You got a great show. Thank you. Where are you? Uh, Sacramento. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't trust our government, Art. Uh, oh no, really? I, uh, sir, I got. How can you mistrust a wonderful bunch of people like we've got in Washington now? Our congressmen, our senators, the State Department, uh, the White House, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, you distrust people like this? I I got a feeling they got something to do with that bombing. Oh, know? oh, not the bombing. Hey, hey did you hear uh, about that girl that got caned in in Tennessee? No, in Tennessee court. No. Yeah, uh, some girl, uh, a teenager, got caned by a judge and her parents right in court. I, mean, I I just thought that was a little out of control too. Really. Uh, very immediate, huh? Pardon me? What did she do? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, she was a teenager only. Uh, I, I heard that. Uh, I say, petty. I mean, why are something petty? Yes, sir. Uh -huh. Well, I guess if the parents were there and the judge was there and that was the sentence and, uh... Yeah, and they want to start that up more, too, the people there. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of people who feel, uh... I, I tell you, when I was a kid, I was spanked. Not a lot of times, but I was spanked. And you know something? It worked. It worked. We'll be back. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time.
take you back to the past on Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Well, I'm going to have to go through it now, and I don't want to go through it, so I don't want to hear about it. Art, I just had to contact you about your new cat. The man who called was actually right about his definition of decline. You know, and on and on, and it's going to go, don't declaw your cat. Well, this cat is going to be declawed, front only, and uh, is going to be fixed, in whichever way it turns out. We're, we're actually not sure whether Ghost is a boy or a girl yet. That is going to happen. There's going to be a feline leukemia test. There are going to be shots. There's going to be a bath. There's going to be everything you can imagine, and then there's going to be an inside-only cat, and that's the way I do it, subject dropped. Uh, for those of you who think it's mean and cruel, fine. We're going to have to disagree. But in the morning, I guarantee my Nazi uniform goes on, and I go down to Dr. Mengele, and I give him my kitty, and that's it. <laughs> and, and so the fight's going to go on. And then I get another one that says, where the heck is it? Um, enough already. Uh, tell all of the animal rights uh, activists to... Oh, I can't say that on the air. I have a Siamese who's clawless. That's all four paws. She scales fences, catches birds. We're talking some Mondo Blue Jays here, and yes, even squirrels. I've come home to several beheaded squirrels on my front porch. Oh, my. So don't uh, let anyone tell you they cannot function uh, properly. Uh, and blah, blah. And besides, what's wrong with caring about your furniture anyway? So, yeah, I agree with all that. I mean, people disagree violently on this, I know. But I, I, I believe, it is my belief, that if you do declaw cat, front paws only, thank you, you don't let it outside because you are removing its ability to properly defend itself. There is no question about that. But I've got another cat. Now, would it be fair for my declawed cat to live in a house with a clawed cat? Who would claw it up but good? No, it wouldn't be fair. Would I want to see my furniture shredded? No. Will I let my cat outside? No. I will not. Will it grow up fat, happy, and sassy? Hopefully, yes. My other one has, and uh, as I said earlier, has become very adept with it. So I don't want to hear all this. So what's going to happen, you know, in the morning? Dr. Mengele gets my cat, and that's it. Then I get him back. Dear Art, considering that the quickening is being fueled, if not directly caused, by the world's annual population growth of 90 million we are trying to support more and more people with a shrinking natural resource base, and true per capita wealth has been slowing uh, and decreasing for years. Everyone, why it takes two incomes to support most households nowadays? Nothing can grow forever on a finite planet. That includes the economy as well as the population. I think the whole notion that GNP must grow forever lest we fall behind, is a big part of why life is getting so hectic and dangerous. GNP growth is largely a response to population growth, and neither can continue indefinitely in a finite world. Signed, the Unabomber. No, just kidding. Actually signed, Carl. But Carl, I have a feeling that is the psychology of the Unabomber. And I'm not comparing you, Carl, to the Unabomber. I'm just saying I think that's what he thinks. Wildcard line, you're on the air. 
Hi, Art. Hello. This is Mike from last night. I'm sorry I missed you, but uh, I was in my wheelchair and my remote was somewhere else. I see. Uh, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, I remember you couldn't turn your radio down. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't have a remote and I couldn't get to it and I didn't want to. I understand. Late. Yes. So, uh, you know, I was listening to that guy earlier, you know, about the program, you know, about this new killer. It reminded me of a story went around uh, some guy in L.A. did that about six years ago. And he got about six or seven hundred people involved in this whatever kind of chemical he came up with. Well, you know, they all, they didn't succeed, let's put it that way. Because uh, you hit it right on the uh, nail head. It's a uh, symptom of the disease. Yeah. That's it, right there, you know. And uh, that's about all I want to say with it. Did you get my facts on that uh, article and stuff? I don't know if they're coming out right, but... Yes. I tried to send you some faxes on the 4th, and I don't know if I'm very good with humor, but I'm learning the artwork with my fax. See, I got hurt in construction years ago, and I'm trying to learn a new trade. <laughs> well, aren't computers wonderful? Yeah, well, that's my next step, and I've been listening to you really closely, but I've had to save up for this, and, well, I have to keep a certain amount of money, you know, in front of me. And, I, I hear you. Yeah. All, right, all right, sir, thank you. I, I I'll tell you. People who are confined uh, as a result of an accident or uh, a disability of some sort are these days able to make a living uh, with a computer. And that will be more and more true as time goes on. So, uh, you know, Mr. Unabomber and people like you, the information age is not just one side. The new science, the scientific advances, and the scientific world we live in is not all bad. It's a double-edged sword like most things. Information and power and science and knowledge um, bring good and bring bad. It is only man that steers the knowledge one way or the other. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, when you had Richard Hoagman uh, a few weeks ago, yes. didn't he suggest that is possibly that we've already went and visited Mars with the, our advanced alien technology that we might have? Wasn't that one of his suggestions? Well, uh, I don't recall his saying that, but it, he might have. Uh, I, I thought I've, I've had various guests that have said things like that, so well, wait, what, what is your point? Well, the, it just struck me that, you know, he said they may have already visited, but uh, one other little point on K four. Well, do you, do you know that that we have not gone to Mars? I don't believe we physically have gone to Mars. Can can we... you can you prove that? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is if Richard Hogan may have suggested that uh, they saw a spacecraft that has done it, uh, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. You, you can't prove otherwise until they say something. There you go. But uh, and uh, even then, it won't matter. I mean, today, I guarantee I could open the lines and I could find. Lots of people who would swear that the whole thing on the moon was a fraud. Yes, sir. I, I agree with you. So uh, on K four, they right. had a on Channel Four in Oklahoma City. Right. They did a a follow up piece on Channel Nine's uh, interview with John Doe Number Two. Right. And they refuted all his uh, claims that proved that he wasn't any way possibly connected with the bombing. Yeah, but then I understand K-4 came back and attacked each point, point by point. That's what I said. Oh, no. I see, I see. K-4 is Channel 4. Yeah. 
uh, they, they put, like his time card was uh, handwritten, but the company has been only using uh, punch cards or clock cards for, for time cards and on and on and on. Yeah. And so uh, that might be a point to something to, that's the last I've heard about any stories about that situation here in Oklahoma City. Well, I appreciate your call. Right. Thank you. And it will eventually shake out. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 4th, 1995. First time caller, you're on the air. Hi. Hello, Art. Yes. MD from Kentucky. Hey, Dave. You were just uh, speaking about Oklahoma City. About a month ago, we heard a story out of Oklahoma City that a radio uh, TV station, Channel 4 there, KFOR, had done an interview with uh, John Doe number 2. Whatever became of that? Well, they didn't do an interview with him. Uh, what they did was um, uh, they were uh, investigating somebody they thought might be John Doe number two. They never did an interview with him. Oh, okay. And um, I'm I'm unsure of the status of that story right now. I have heard a rumor that John Doe number two has now disappeared, and I really don't want to say any more until I get the facts because that is nothing more than a rumor. Yeah, that was a, that was strange. I heard you interview, for example, uh, the news director for WKY there. No, no, you didn't. Well, yes, you did. Yeah, yeah I did. A guy named Palmer. No, I did uh, one night interview. And him, yes. uh, he he somewhat verified. Oh, he verified the story. Uh, there's no question about it. KFOR definitely ran the story. And for all I know, they're still. As a matter of fact, I'd like to know what they're running. They right ran now. the story, but it was a hoax. Is that what you're saying? No. No, and uh, I have not heard uh, that KFOR has retracted one word of it, and they've run many other stories um, about it. So I don't know what the current status is, but the last I heard, they were standing by their story. Okay, I'm just uh, curious that uh, I heard that in the early morning hours and then anxiously awaiting for the day to develop, and, uh, and nobody picked up on it. You've got it. Okay. Thanks for the call. Uh, and if anybody in Oklahoma City can uh, straighten us out on the latest, I would like to hear it. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. My gosh. My gosh. Oh, my gosh, I'm on the air. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Where are you? I am calling from the Mesa, Phoenix area. Mesa, Phoenix. Yes. K-F-Y-I. Oh, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, for your information and all that. Um, Pretty cool call letters for a talk station, you know. Well, yeah, well, Lycus was here once, and uh, we can still smell him. Um, did you get my uh, fax um, about well, the kitty? Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I sent a fax. Well, uh, what is your first name? Uh, Jackie. Jackie's fax says, Art, your kitty's name is Spirit. Ghost drops like a stone. Think about it. Um, call her whatever you want. However, spirit covers the whole character of the experience, and the name is spirit. Trust me. Ask her and check uh, the 
response to each. Now, um, how am I going to ask this cat? Just look at the cat and say, Come here, spirit. Or, Come here, ghost. And you'll see that she'll respond to spirit. My cat's name is Ghost. Ah. Uh, but think about spirit as a, as a more rounded experience that you've had with this cat. Ghost. It has come and gone and been there and not there and a lot of character to evade you for so long. You're describing a ghost. No, I'm not. A yes, ghost you're... just kind of like hangs around. Ghost. Yeah. My cat's name is Ghost. Cat's name is Spirit. Trust me. You know, I was going to read your facts because it's so demanding. I mean, it's like, it's like you know I'm wrong. I do. You, you Have you been through what I've been through? Uh-huh. And this cat's name is Spirit. I know it as well. Oh, I, well, well you, you have a cat named Spirit? No. No? No. But well, the cat's name is Spirit. I've been here and I've been going through this. I know, but the cat's name is Spirit. Well, trust me. No, no, it's no. It's right. I'm, I'm a past master at naming animals. Well, maybe you are, but it's Ghost. It's going to be, it'll be Spirit. It's easier, too. Ghost. Sorry. Animals come better to S sounding words. They do? Uh huh. S sounding words? Uh huh. Spirit. Well. Mm, okay, yeah. I, you know, I mean, what can I say to you? You, you could say that, uh... I'll, get, I'll, 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 I'll tell you what. You could try your spirit. I'll, I'll tell you what. We'll <laughs> we'll do it in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> God, I, God, I've got to run. We're not, we're not going anywhere here. Thank you. Uh, we'll do it in spirit. My cat's name is Ghost. I mean, why would people want to argue with me about this? I've got a lot of faxes like this. Did I get your fax? Yes, I got your fax. And now I got your call. Now, that's a very stubborn attitude. I mean, this is a cat that I've gone through hell and back for. It's a ghost. I named it Ghost. Its name is Ghost. That's all there is to it. And I don't, I don't even care if you can't say it many times in a row. It's Ghost. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. This is another crazy cat call from California. All right. My husband says I run a cat house anyway, so I might as well call you. I'm a cat breeder, and I just wanted to confirm what uh, Barb from Phoenix said way earlier in the show. Uh, your cat's coat coloring is a sex-linked genetic characteristic. Ghost is a she. Oh, um, you think so? Well, I'll know no, for no, sure. No ifs, ands, or buts. When you're breeding cats, you've got to know the genetics of, of coat color. Well, my wife also claims it is a she with no no real knowledge to back it up. But I have real knowledge because I breed cats, I raise them, and I know cat genetics. Well, okay. Well, okay. So, um, calicos, she, it's huh? a sex, calicos and tortoise shell sex link. Okay, well, the cat I have now is a short hair, black, big, fat sucker. It's a he. Mm -hmm. Now, how is he going to get along with she? Beautifully. And she's just a baby because she still has blue eyes. Her eyes will change color as she ages. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So he'll, he'll get along just beautifully with her. Oh, uh, we'll see. Oh, yeah. uh, but, but I do think you're right. I think uh, my cat is going to love it. Mm -hmm. They'll be buddies. How, how old is your Abby cat? Um, my Abby cat is now about three and a half, almost four. Four years old. Oh. I, I, four years old, also. They'll, they'll get along just fine, especially once she's... Uh, uh, and Abby's eight. got a lot of kitten left in him. Mm -hmm. And he loves to play. In fact, he, he engages me more than he should. 
And so this kitten will be great for Abby. I mean, it's going to keep Abby really occupied. Great playmate. And, and female cats are just so fun. I think you're really going to enjoy her. Thanks for the call. Okay, bye-bye. You take care. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure they'll go tearing around this house. Uh, a 17-pound cat, however many pounds my cat weighs, you know, when it runs real fast, sounds like a galloping horse. It's really incredible. First time caller line, you're on the air. Yes, sir. Regarding Hello. your guest on Sunday uh, about past life regression. Yes. I would like to point out that on some of these psychometrists who help police uh, define who the guilty party is. Yes. If they experience a similar uh, knowledge about the person who they're talking about, and particular one uh, was involved in a 10-year-old black girl that died back in the early 80s, from a uh, sexual uh, rape attack and, and murder. And this lady who was in her, at least in her 60s, uh, came in and helped the police define who it was that committed this crime. Mm -hmm. Now, she was uh, alive 40 years before this black child was born and exist coexisted at the same 10 years she lived. And then 10 years later, she is defining how this murder happened. Now, uh, it seems to me that she acquired this knowledge by other reasons than than uh, some kind of, uh, of you know previous lives or something like that. There's another case where could be, sir. Who knows? Yeah, I know. But there's another case where a guy was thrown in prison because he had in a dream uh, what happened to this person who had died, uh, been killed in this town, and he was put in jail. Uh, because he knew too many details, so the police put him in jail. He I think I recall hearing about that case. Right. Well, it seems to me that to, to jump to the fact that all this um, information produced out of hypnosis means that their past life seems to me a little bit uh, uh, premature, in other words. Well, glad to see you're listening, though. Um, I mean, who knows? Past lives, genetic memory... What is it? Who knows? That's why we do Dreamland, to endeavor to begin to try to answer questions of that sort. Exactly. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Oh, good morning, Art Bell, from KEX Portland. Yes, sir. Yes. Art, cats have nine lives, so you might want to keep in mind that you might want to call him nine different names throughout his life. Uh, uh, no, 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 thank you. Well, other than ghosts, you know, you, you know. You know, if there were a hundred people in a room... Not a one of them would agree on anything. I'm convinced of it. It wouldn't matter what I called my cat. Uh, if I let's say that I called it what the the, the lady said a little while ago, spirit. Yeah. Um. There would be just as much antagonism to that name as there is to ghost. It wouldn't matter what name I picked. So I'm sticking with it. This cat is ghost. That's it. Okay. Art. Art. And Unabomber. The Unabomber. Yes. Yeah. If he's listening, I, I think he should turn himself in. Uh, he seriously is a tree hugger and needs some uh, psychiatric uh, looking after. Well, all right. Thank you. Well, it was interesting to hear Charlie describe him earlier in a halting uh, way as a radical left winger. Charlie did say that. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Oh. Uh, I hope he had a good Fourth of July. I know I did. Well, it was fine. Yes, yeah, so was mine. It was really great. Uh, good. Well, you know, I want to talk about Clinton and his bullets. 
Well, you better do it quick. Okay, real fast. Clinton There's no nice. cop killer bullets, per se, like the magic rhino or anything else. We know that. And remember I told you over a year and a half ago they're going to try to get rid of the bullets of any caliber. Anything over a thirty-eight special will go through a vest. Yeah, all right, thank you. Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know they're after the bullets. Of course they are. Of course they are. They're anti-gunners. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hi, good morning, Art. This is uh, Bob in Las Vegas. Bob in Las Vegas. I've been uh, uh, on pins and needles here all night. Uh, did, uh, did the poor cat uh, get to eat the, the tuna that you left there to catch him? No, you know what happened? Just before I could get the cat, uh, a big dog ate it. You're kidding. No. Got into the trap and ate it? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, got into the trap and ate it, and then uh, something came along and ate the dog. Well, I hope you, I hope you gave the poor kitty another uh, tin of the poor Chatham because uh, you know he, he fell for it, so we should at least get that as a reward, huh? Good night, sir. Good night. That's it. We're out of time. Thankfully, see you tomorrow. Bye.